0: The center and our winds are back again. The center and our winds
1: are back again.
2: I love talking about the Santa Ana winds because at first it sounds like I'm doing small talk, you know, like, hey, how's the weather? Uh, But then little does the bastard I'm talking to know that I'm about to launch into a whole tirade in my writerly ass way about the whole mythical spiritual substance of Los Angeles. Anytime I talk about the Santa Anas. And before they can escape, I've got them well up Joan Didion's snatch. So, what is the Santa Ana wind? Well, it's something that makes a cozy autumn in Los Angeles almost as rare as a cozy bottom. Scientifically, it's an eastern wind, a fawn wind. That's a scientific term. Fawn. Fawn. A, a downward slope wind that scientifically begins in the mountains and it comes down and it blows all the filth and regrets from the Inland Empire out west. It blows everything west, all the way west, west of Hollywood, west of West Hollywood, west of Westwood, blows everything west to the pacific to figure out the rest what happens when it gets to the pacific i don't know i don't know the fucking epilogue of a wind i don't know the credits roll i i don't know but before it gets to that point a lot of hot air passes through the city uh and it basically turns us all into crazy LADs. it stuffs our throats it gives us headaches It makes us horny in a scheming, innovative startup sort of way. It burns my cigar at record Kenya track speed. And it makes writers in Hollywood, some of them, reach for their pens and start stabbing. On nights like that, I'm quoting Raymond Chandler now, Mr. Noir Guy, Mr. Honest Man Trapped in a Corrupt World. On nights like that. Every booze party ends in a fight. Meek little wives feel the edge of a carving knife and study their husbands' necks. Anything can happen. October is the bad month for the wind. Now it's Joan Didion's turn. A uh, fabulous writer, Joan Didion, fabulous writer. Bit depressive, a bit manneristic once she left LA. Should have never done that. Should have never, never left LA. She should have never left L.A. She should have never moved to New York because some of us bitches got to learn how to stay in the valley where we belong. You know what I mean? Um, But her two early books about L.A. are Definitely Witty and Rich, uh, Slouching Towards Bethlehem, White Album. And she was all about doing profundity cartwheels through the Santa Ana air. This is just a little pastiche of it that I've collected. Quote, October is the bad month for the wind, the month when breathing is difficult and the hills blaze up spontaneously. There has been no rain since April. Every voice seems a scream. It is the season of suicide and divorce and prickly dread wherever the wind blows. To live with the Santa Ana is to accept, consciously or unconsciously, a deeply mechanistic view of human behavior. The wind shows us how close to the edge we are. Unquote. Mechanistic view of human behavior. So now you know why I opened the show with that robot accent, right? I was foreshadowing, I was teasing uh, the emotional analysis of Saint Mechanistic Joan. But Eve Babbitt's, a slightly younger and freer... L.A. writer, even though she's dead now, while Joan Didion is somehow still alive, had a more optimistic take on the Santa Anas when she said, just think, if we didn't have the Santa Anas, how straight we all would be. Now let's face it, it's much easier to be bubbly in the face of these haunted-ass Halloween winds when your mechanics are in the habit of being loved by men like Jim Morrison, as Eve Babbitt's was. And when you succeed at betting the homosexual men you love, she did that too. And she wrote about it. And it's much better for a woman to have sex with a gay man than drink a thousand mimosas with him until they both become bitter bitchy queens. So good for her. I too get all excited when the winds first come to town. I start wetting my mouth for blather, as you can tell. But by the second day, after a few of my doors have been shut closed in that sudden, violent way, I am reminded that there are definitely mechanics at play. And I look outside, and hills catch fire. Houses char. The city smells like barbecue for days, and the barbecue it smells like is Korean. I begin to question too many things at the same time. I become Janis Joplin singing Ball and Chain.
0: The Santa Ana winds are back again.
2: But this October, something happened. Something no one had ever seen before. This October, the Santa Ana Anna's were met by lightning. Long choruses of lightning dancing up and down the coast all night. They looked like aging Radio City Rockettes auditioning for one last season. Nobody cared that Instagram died that day because fuck Instagram. There were selfies in the sky. Nobody cared that Facebook went down. Nobody cared that George Floyd's statue, number 37N4, got defaced. Guy can't catch a break. And nobody cared that Dick Cheney's boner pick from 2004 magically resurfaced either, because there were selfies in the sky. Nobody cared about AIDS, because the Santa Ana's came as they always do. But this time, they were met by lightning. And you don't have to be Joan Didion or Eve Babbitts or even Raymond Chandler to see a weird storm like that as a symbol, a symbol of whatever took over the entire world 20 months ago. At least for a night, for one night, with its glimpse of infinite electricity, the storm gave us shelter. And when it was over, I jumped, as they say, into my car and hopped, as they also say, on the 405 and skipped the cement fantastic, as nobody says, down to San Diego for an OG filthy Armenian adventure. One I had been doing every year since that very good year when I was 17. I went down to have lunch with my old friend, the Filthy Professor. Right now, but I'll if, if my mind changes, I'll okay. let you know. Thank you. And are you ready
0: to order some lunch? Or? Oh no, we haven't. Okay, take okay. your time. I'm yeah. Haley when you're ready.
2: Thank
3: you. And, and there's also the Scientific American thing, you know, that
0: uh, the first
3: paragraph in a Scientific American article is made for a child. The second paragraph is full of stuff you can't understand.
2: It's a great combination, isn't it? Yeah, it's a great combination.
3: You know, no (laughs) editing.
2: It just, yeah. It goes straight to uh, arcane technical technical speak from from a a very inviting and accessible lead. (laughs) Reader's Digest lead. (laughs) What do you watch these days?
3: Oh, I just... Seem to watch old movies and old TV shows if I happen to like them. You know, I sort of I like Frazier. I watch a bunch of episodes. Frasier's like is that. Fun. Uh the, the later Columbo's I got to like very much. Oh, the later
2: ones. The later but ones. you mean late as in still within the eight seasons, first eight seasons of the seventies or like eighties?
3: No, uh, no, the eighties, eighties and nineties ones.
2: Oh, okay. Because you you were. I think you were advising me, maybe with someone else, that it was the first.
3: No, no, he's the character hasn't developed. Uh, they're they're not. Moments of charm are are few, and the satirical edge. It picks I mean, up
2: later. Yeah. I mean, too. I've been watching. So I've I've watched the ones on Amazon. Has the first eight seasons, um, which is. The last few, the one with the... Main, okay, so season six is the one with the Mensa case, which is really Oh, funny. yeah, that's,
3: that's a lot of fun. Yeah. I haven't seen that in a long time. Uh, maybe that's when it starts to get good.
2: That's season six, I think.
3: There aren't all that many of them. It's so hard for me to think in terms of seasons because they're so... It, well, you know, there's right only...
2: Good. Yeah, there's only... Um, some of the, the first few seasons only have, like, six. And then the next few... The, the last... I mean, when they say the last seasons four to eight or something, they have like eight or nine. Something like that. But it's not twenty-four, like you know, you know, a typical uh, network season of the and time.
3: The, and they only got to. At some point, they got to two hours including commercials. So right, for a long ninety time, minutes. An hour, ninety minutes.
2: Yeah, right. ninety minutes is the runtime of several of them, and some of them are seventy-five minutes. That's the right. Mensa one is seventy-five minutes, oh. and it's tighter. All the tighter. But some of the ninety minutes ones are really tight, but. The Mensa one is there is really tight. I mean, it's it's there's not a dull no, moment in the whole thing.
3: This one with the
0: phonograph. Right yes. Yeah.
2: And it's the one with his line, with the bet with his best line of all, which is, hey, here I am surrounded by all the smartest people in the world, and I didn't even notice. <laughs> exactly. I th-
3: I think that was the line that I quoted in a column a long time ago.
2: you you. you would have, that, yeah, yeah. I think I think I may have seen it first in, in, in your column in Word Watch, right? Or, yeah. yeah.
3: I, I used to really dislike Colombo. It was probably Word Watch. It could have been some, just, maybe not in the column. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I used to really hate Colombo because I uh, I really didn't see the charm, and it was it's so slow. It is. Slow. I mean, I I don't mind slow, but that's you know, intentionally yeah. right. I got intentionally. So the first ones are not
2: that uh, The very first one is actually a play, that um, it, it's like. First of all, he looks super young in it. Yes, Way different than he does. Oh, in yeah. Even the second well,
3: one. Well, twenty-eight years can change.
2: Across. Yeah. Well, not forget twenty-eight years between the first one is like sixty-nine, the second one is like I don't know seventy-one or something. It was like a. It, it feel the first one feels like a movie, like a real legit movie where you're seeing. Uh, Cassavetti's style, uh, Peter Falk in yeah. this, and he's in, he's a totally different character. He's much he's like almost like a looks like a heel, and 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 then in, by seventy one he's already you know working into the the Columbo character. But the very first one is a, an anomaly. It's on Amazon too. Oh,
3: I'll, I, I don't do the Amazon, but at some point I'll I'll get that.
2: Yeah, you can just probably, there's a box set. I think there's some oh. box sets. that I, That's probably what I'm going to need to get to watch the ones from the 80s and 90s, because I don't see them on it.:
3: Lots of them are really funny. Still
2: browsing? Still browsing, yeah.
3: Lots of them are really funny, and they often satirize Hollywood. And
2: oh yes, that's the best part.
3: Or Hollywood-like things like Playboy or something of like that.
2: There's one, I think that's the best part of the whole show, is the way it immersively captures these different yeah, I, little worlds.
3: The one about the... The other night they were showing the one about the guy who composes music for, for uh film. Oh,
2: have I seen that
3: one? There's a young guy I... and an old guy and the young guy gets bumped off by the old guy.
2: I, I can't remember if I've seen that one, but if I haven't, it sounds like a great... Really one. Okay, good. I only... I, of, the, of the first eight seasons, I have like four that I haven't seen that I've been... I specifically withdrew from watching just so I, I don't run out. Because I, I binged it in last summer. I would watch nothing but Columbo, and I was like, I'm running out, and I don't want to. I, I want to save these for a rainy day. So maybe maybe that'll be this month.
3: Did we ever talk about Mormon exposure?
2: We've we've brought it up, but I don't think I ever ventured to see it. If I did, it was just one episode.
3: It's just about a hundred and
0: ten. It
2: was in the night. Was it post or pre Twin Peaks? Oh, post. It's,
3: post. it's the it's the early night. Well, that's the same time, but yeah. No, no I mean, no. Twin Peaks is early Peaks. 90s. It's like 90, No. no. 91. no. Yeah,
2: or right. I think it's 90 to 92. No, I don't think so. Well, either way, what is northern exposure?
3: Oh, it's de- that's definitely 90s. And not late 90s.
2: I'm going to fact check. Our, our, this thing. But you were mentioning that it's something in the same, in the within the Twilight Zone, kind of. No, no? it's
3: just, it's um, whimsy.
2: Whimsy? Northern Exposure. or is it, is it more on the comedy side?
3: 1990. That's a comedy.
2: Yeah. Northern Exposure is 1990. Uh,
3: it's, it's not a laugh-laugh comedy. But
2: it's, a, it's called a drama, but of course it's, that uh, doesn't mean anything. It's hard for me to think
3: of something like that, too. It's not ominous at
2: all. You know, the, so Twin Peaks—this literally happened at the same time, 1990.
3: Twin Peaks is 1990.
2: Yeah, that's why the. Um,
3: oh, that hurt. Yeah, it, well, it
2: only it lasted two seasons. Oh, and then, and then the uh, uh, return, which was 25. At the end, they said, "I'll see you in 25 years," and the return happened in 2017. So. Oh, did they have
3: a plot in 2017?
2: It's a very, um, it's not, it, it's, I loved it, but it's a very slow burn and it's a very, it's, a, it's very uh, um, unconventional, yeah. you know, as it was in the beginning, but, it, but even more so. It's much more, it's much more, it's a spiritual plot. It's a spiritual plot. It's a
3: spooky plot. mystery, I'd like to see it develop than, you know, it got into the X-Files thing where every episode was different. Right. That's what it felt to me.
2: Well, what happened with Twin Peaks was that it it they were forced to reveal the mystery before he wanted to. And then he had to and then it had to go into a totally yeah, right, different direction. Sense. Not not totally, but it had to broaden in a way that that was both bizarre and confusing to people. I enjoyed it because I liked everything about the show. Every inch of the screen is something that I like. You know, there was nothing about it I didn't like. There are some things in in the return that are controversial because they seem charmlessly uh, kind of irrelevant. Um, but overall, I think it's a real masterwork. You have to watch it with you have to be you have to be patient with it. And you have to be patient with him, with Lynch, because it's all directed by him. And it's yeah. all, but it but it, it it does have a it does really hit home. And there's some really Daring the episodes in in it that are that seem completely off the off the path of any kind of plot, but they seem to make sense to me and to the people who love the show.
3: Well, um, I'm trying to think of, of something brief that I could say about Northern Exposure, and I guess that it, it is that after a little while, it. it uh, Episode started to be satirical about something in every episode. So there's one about a, a gay marriage, gay mm-hmm.
0: wedding. Oh, there's a gay wedding, wedding a in 1990.
3: Gay, yeah, there's a gay wedding, and there's one about Canada and how awful Canada is. Uh, And th- those are really hilarious.
2: Oh, that's really? great. I have to see the gay wedding. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, that's. Okay.
3: And there's, there's one about putting on a uh, what do you call it, a the community theater.
2: Oh, okay. That um, that. That that's low hanging the fruit, but we'll take it.
3: Oh, what they do with it is.
2: People complain about low hanging fruit, but it, you know that's usually the juiciest fruit. What else it's, yeah. <laughs> Right, it's the lowest hanging fruit. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's I think it's over, over underrated. Low hanging fruit is underrated. You don't need to reach for the barely the barely developed little thing on the top of the tree.
3: A few weeks ago, my and I were watching an episode of South Park that me, somehow neither of us had ever seen. And so at some point somebody says well, what's your, Oh, what's, what's what's your dad doing now? And then you see a picture of and you see what the, what dad is doing. And there's a dead horse lying there and he's beating it. <laughs> That's what he's doing. There's no connection with anything. But it was one of the funniest things we thought we'd ever see. do
2: you do you think they're gonna recover? I haven't been watching them at from their like from their selling out to the whole Trump hysteria thing, which they sort of did.
3: Oh yeah, I think they recovered. I hope
2: so because they're the one institution. In uh, mainstream comedy, that actually is still good. Everything I take, else is dead. I didn't dead.
3: take that seriously.
2: Well, I mean, yeah, because you're just—you can see the—you can see through the—you can see through them you can see them just giving in. You can just see them giving in to saying this is this is a battle they're not going to fight. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean that that's just what it basically was. They they did the whole they committed to the whole. Trump this crazy bit type of thing and they just stuck to that yeah. as their way of coasting through this That's right. unscathed
3: <laughs> well I think also because I'm, I'm making this up but if I were they, I, I might start feeling not, not that I'd act on it but I might start feeling like well i satirize everybody else you know and obviously he's satirizable right if he's not satirizable who he is you know
2: but they, re- they learned the hard way that, no, he's not, because right, that's, that's the true. thing. <laughs> I mean, nobody succeeded in satirizing. Yeah, was
3: very good. I mean, it's partly because you can't kid a kidder.
2: Right. Well, it's not just that you can't kid a kidder, but the fact is that he's the one who's kidding... Well, the, f- the fact is that everyone who was trying to kid the kidder was more laughable than that's the right, kidder. Right, right, that's right, And nobody... Yeah. That's right. Nobody... I mean, nobody among them could realize that. Yeah,
3: that's right. Really-
2: I'm trying to think if anyone did realize that. And if they did, it's people who it's the people who basically flipped. I mean, I'm trying to think of who, who among the kind of mainstream crowd that didn't see this torpedo coming, uh, really became aware of no, what was. I don't really yeah. yeah. Forget it. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to find. If they it's few and far between.
3: I've watched a lot of Alpha Hitchcock recently. I love that show, it's what but I don't
2: know where to watch. It's on some random ass channel.
3: No, it's on five nights a week. It's on at one a.m. On, it's either Cozy TV or Me TV.
2: I don't know if I get that. Netflix. Oh, you do. I have that. to look. I have my. You,
3: you have a you have cable.
2: I do, but I I'm not. I have it in bastardized form now because I'm, I in my apartment. I don't. I have to find it. Mostly I have to find the network, download the network's app. And, oh, yeah. yeah. and then I can access it through my cable oh, system. It's a pain in the ass. I'd rather just buy. Honestly, you know, this is something that uh, my friend Jack has been preaching for the last year, uh, of buying physical media, because you just can't count on any of this stuff being maintained on t- digitally, on TV, or anything else. So I think my move for anything that matters is to just buy the box, all of the DVDs. But you've been doing this for years, so you're uh, a DVD I'm not, buyer. I'm not
3: very dedicated to it, though, because I, I found out that. Uh, God, maybe we should look at the anyway. Uh, right. when I buy something, I'm less likely to watch it for a long time.
2: Are you like to watch it again and again? Yeah, right. Yeah.
3: I mean, or even the first time, I then we're not done. You know? Right. So there it is. Right. And I don't seem to enjoy it.
2: There is a thing about that, too. I think that's probably what's limited me in buying stuff.
3: There's a funny thing that I'll, I'll plan to see. If I know that Gone the Wind is on TV, I'll plan to see it. Uh, maybe not fanatically, but I'll plan to see it. But, but I, yeah, I, I own five copies of it. it. So, right.
2: You know, right. Right. though, yeah, being on TV is a way of somebody calling you and saying here's a date, let's watch right, this movie, exactly. and that somebody is, is a television right. programmer, right. but whatever. I mean, we're all, I think, I mean, you're more twice as much as I am, uh, but I have the same feeling. I mean, I. there's something about a programmed time that still matters to me, yeah. and that matters at zero to anyone younger than me, or being anyone about more than three, five years younger. I know what you mean. There just doesn't yeah. matter to me. But we're still appointment-viewing people. I mean, that's part of what we grew up on.
3: Sure. Well, I don't think they really follow
0: anything.
2: Like... I, I, that's, I think my, but probably of all the changes that I, I most have... I've always kind of suspected it's this thing of not forcing people to watch things. I feel like people need to be forced by circumstance and, and clamped down and put on the clampers like in Clockwork Orange to watch new things, old things, uh, uh, music, everything. Because everything I ever picked up, everything, was through force. It wasn't really? through voluntary. I, mean, I, I mean, one way or another, somebody says, it wasn't because I would accidentally come upon it, but it was because something's on, somebody says you should watch it, um, and you watch it for oh, some obviously. external reason. You know what I mean. I, I wasn't. If, I, if it was just up to me, and I could watch at eight years old, Nickelodeon Kids TV twenty four seven. That's what I would have done. I wouldn't have. When I was young, Nick at, there, what would happen is Nickelodeon, the kids' station, would become Nick at Night. I don't know if you remember this. Yeah, to. Right. So Nick at Night would show all the old sitcoms, Isle of Lucy, whatever. All of them. And that's how I would watch all those old shows, and that's how I would end up watching basically the same things my grandparents would watch 50 years before. And that was a connection to the past that people don't have anymore because they're not forced to watch anything they don't absolutely, 100% priority would rather watch at the moment.
3: They also have an insane prejudice against black and white.
2: That's a Yeah, I mean, that's... I've given up on even... I can't even, you know... I, that's another thing where if you can't, if you don't shame someone into actively, pretentiously, per, quote unquote, pretentiously uh, pursuing an interest in black and white movies and TV, they're not going to do it because they're they're just going to go for the shiny little object. You have to shame them. You have to oppress them. You have to limit their options. You have to, you know, uh, artistically uh, rape them into. Into going for the old, telling them that this is, this matters and this is better, this is good, this is artistic, and it is. I've been doing this for years to no avail, but that's but but it's catching on with some people because they realize.
3: Would you like an appetizer or not?
2: Sure. What is what? We, what would calamari?
3: Sure, that's fine.
2: That's a good one.
3: And what else? What else would we like? Oh, let's see.
2: The irony of these uh, of our of our lunch pattern is that it's it is much more uh, accurate to traditional Greek four-hour meals than.
3: <laughs> I wish any, I could spend four hours today. No,
2: I yeah. know. But anyone, we have to accustom the waitresses every time we come here. <laughs> well, they're. I think they're happy they have to have us. Occurred to me, by the way, that you are the reason I finally started watching South Park 20 years ago, or whatever <laughs> the hell it was. Well, yeah, because I was I had a bias against it for whatever stupid snobbish reason in its first few years, and then you wrote a whole article about it in Liberty, I didn't? like in 2000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, 2002, whatever it was. You were you were preaching it hard when we first met, and I had a bias against it, and then so it, only then did I start watching it, and that's also when it started to get good. Because it got, the first few years were a little bit choppy, but then about, I think season three is when it got better. Yeah, it got better. Yeah. It got more clever. It was a little bit more like, it was just more like mostly shit humor the first year right. or two, and then it got into when they were starting to do political stuff. I remember around 2002 or three It got more interesting,
3: but I, I you know, I was prejudiced against it because people in my neighborhood were going nuts over it because it, 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 the, yeah, it, it was. was a, dir- they're dirty words, you know. Right,
2: right. And it was like a liberal weird they loved it. They oh, like, loved li- it. Li- li- like soccer moms and stuff were all over. Really? Like well not, not not personally, but they were like, you know, it was a thing that the kid they were somehow allowing the kids to indulge in. Really? As I recall.
3: Hmm. Yeah. Well, in the, during the first season a friend of mine said, You're not leaving you're not leaving my house until we watched this episode. So you see, this is more great. Yeah, rape. yeah a, that's why. It's
2: happened. the only yeah. way to get into something good. <laughs> Which friend was that, by the way? Is it one of the friends I'm, one of the characters I'm familiar with?
3: No, it's uh, it's, uh, his name is John Nelson, and he's now a uh, a big uh, producer. Uh, I guess that's no, that's that's the wrong. He he uh, he's a big person in Las Vegas. Right. He was, he was producing. Shows.
2: Okay, he was producing this Celine Dion show, I mean, yeah, he Caesars, I mean,
3: right? is the wrong word because John doesn't have anything to do with telling him what to do on stage. But he'll build the stage. You know, he'll have the whole.
2: Right. Well, building the that's a big that's that's still. Producing.
3: In fact, he's he's building some kind of theater right now. That's
2: that's, that's producing because especially he, he was do I remember this because I don't remember his name, but I remember you telling me that you were friends with the somebody who was heavily involved in Celine Dion's Caesars show back in uh, Freedom Fest days of twenty, you know 2004 so that's probably I'm sure it's some kind of producer is the name because if he's if he's designing the stage and if he's designing those stages are all custom designed for their those extravaganza productions
3: yeah, I'm curious what his
2: literal title is on these. Well, his so.
3: the literal title is something like executive vice president or something. Right.
0: Every yeah. That that covers. That really nails it. <laughs> <laughs> that really <laughs> nails it. <laughs> pins it down.
2: <laughs> uh, what are you thinking of getting?
3: Uh, I'm thinking about chicken couscous.
2: That's your. That's one of your go-tos. That's one, that's one of my I go-tos. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, there's a whole other side to this menu. Yeah. That the, that I was neglected.
3: It's a good side and a bad side. It's
2: the twin twin peaks of every
3: restaurant.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Idiot salmon, the Cretan salmon.
3: We've never had that.
2: I wonder, I think I've had it in the past.
0: Chicken also looks interesting
2: because of the marinated in lemon juice, olive oil and oregano aspect.
3: Yeah, that sounds good.
2: I always like that Greek style that they do with their with the chicken. And I always wonder why everyone else can't just do that. I wish there were fewer Asian fusion places and more Greek fusion play or, you know, Mediterranean fusion. Just pick up, the good, pick up the good ideas and apply them to whatever the hell trendy cuisine you want to prop up in downtown San Diego.
3: Would you go down to the gas lamp? District? No, no, gas a district. Light
2: district gas light is it gaslight or gas lamp gas. it's a gas lamp gas, gas light no, wait it's minute. lamp okay it's lamp What's, gas light is what is, is 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 when you you know is the tactic right. the cult tactic
3: from the movie
2: which is also which by the way I don't know if you were it's become a very common term the last oh, five yeah, years yeah. Yeah. yeah did you ever see the movie oh yeah of course it's it's Angela Lansbury's uh, first movie oh, she's, yeah. the, she's yeah. the she's the, the sex pot the evil yeah right yeah
3: I think it's a bad
2: movie. I, re- I don't remember judging it because I accepted it as a as a classic, and I watched it as a classic. But I, I don't. I, so I enjoyed it, but I don't remember. I don't remember liking it, disliking it, or having an it issue. It's such, it's such
3: a melodrama. It's so obvious what's going on. And Ingrid Bergman is not my favorite person in the world are we doing, gentlemen? Well, fine, let's start with some calamari.
2: Okay. Yes, and in two minutes I'll have an answer. Okay.
3: And I'd like a glass of, uh, you want a glass of anything? I'd like a I'll of, join of, you with whatever you have. Okay, we'll have two glasses of. Uh, Where's the, the Greek red wine?
0: I'm
3: not going to try my brother.
0: Why I lost? Okay.
2: Okay, so I'm I'm between the. Yeah, I think I'm gonna do.
3: um, I'm gonna do that chicken dish. See how it turns out. Yeah. So have you been? Oh, Charles Mm -hmm. Boyer is just such a. I mean, he can he can be a good actor. Very good actor. I love jewels.
0: uh, Yeah, come on.
2: doesn't love Jews, yeah, if you put it that way. <laughs> uh, but, I, you know, I was. it did occur to me that Angela Lansbury, shockingly to me, having grown up on her as uh, Bedknobs and Broomsticks, I don't know if you know that movie, it was yeah. from the 70s. A, I have to revisit that movie, because it was a movie I loved as a kid. I think it's from the 70s. Maybe the 80s but it has 70s vibes because it's a combination of animation and live action. Um, I, as I recall, it's like this British, weird kids' comedy, crazy movie that I don't even know what to make of in my memory anymore, but I watched the hell out of it as a kid, and she's, she's sort of the persona there that she is as uh, Jessica Fletcher, Murder, okay. She Wrote. She's a, you know anti-kind of woman, but... And I haven't seen Manchurian Candidate. Oh, she's wonderful.
3: That's her
0: great role.
2: Well, that's her great role. But it's interesting that she began. She began. She managed to be a sexpot in Gaslight, and a conniving character in Manchurian. From what I understand, a Manchurian Candidate, and then you might say that. Well, yeah, I have to. I have to dig into it. But like, and then, but then she ends her career, or she. Her third act is as a completely post-sexual. Anti-detective yeah. in in Murder, She Wrote and whatever else she did from that point on.
3: She's in the picture of Dorian Gray, isn't she? I haven't I seen that. I think she's a love interest because they've made it, um, I mean, there, there is a real person like that in the novel, but, uh, they changed it around to give her a chance to see Oh, okay. And, uh. I mean, I think that's a very good movie, but
2: which which year was it? What, what? forty eight. Okay, the are like early, early. Yeah. So she would have still been a sexual character at that. Yeah, point. she's supposed to be
3: innocent, and uh, that character is too prominent in the movie for me. And there's a song that she sings, which I think is nauseating. Yeah. Uh, okay. It's supposed to be a cute song.
0: But it
2: but it grates on yeah, the nerves. Yeah, yeah, true. Sure
3: anyway the um, movie's well worth watching if only for the, the two versions of the picture which are real works of art
2: oh really do you know who painted them or is it just well, a studio two
3: guy are no they're not not a studio guy at all uh, the uh, the uh, decadent one was by a guy named Aldrich who specialized in that stuff and was regarded as a very significant artist I don't know if he still is but the University uh, the University of Art Institute in Chicago sort of specialized in him and always has a number of big canvases of his grotesque works of art. But He was commissioned to do that for the picture. It, right. it had no connection with the studio. And the, uh, the, the nice one is done by a very accomplished Spanish uh, portraitist. Maybe he's something else also. Whose the name I can't remember. Pablo Picasso. No, no, no. no uh the good paper. And that one is in somebody's private collection and uh, you can't see it. Right. Well I mean, you can, you can go online. And
2: see I have it. to I haven't seen any movie of Gordon Gray. So I, I didn't you know I always hesitate whenever I see a movie versions of a novel I've already fami- intimately familiar with because I'm like I don't even know, you know if it's bad I'm gonna really hate it.
3: Or has George Sanders said it? Oh
2: well, that's always good because yeah. he's he's it's never one of his bad.
3: Be- best
2: is he? Is he the? He's Dorian's elder friend. Right. Yeah. Okay. Not. He's not Dorian Gray himself.
3: No. 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 That's a, a guy named Curb Hatfield.
2: Okay. H U R D. Was George Sanders ever allowed to be the actual uh, romantic protagonist? Oh,
3: sure he is. He, he is in those Saint movies. Okay. There's a series of the, the Saint. The Saint. Because his last name was Saint. Something like that. And in the 1930s,
2: he committed suicide because. He, he became impotent, as I remember Barbara Brandon telling me. Is oh, that I, true? I, I,
3: never, I never saw that at okay. all. Uh, maybe, maybe that was maybe just a rumor. She, she left a note saying he was bored. Bored, yeah.
2: I think her she had heard somewhere that bored meant that he could no longer fuck.
3: Well, Barbara Brandon wasn't the most uh, trustworthy person. <laughs> I mean, her trustworthiness was about 90%, It that's not really
2: Right, with the, the last 10% is where uh, George Sanders' suicidal motivations might Perhaps. be lost. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I need you to repeat the story of, what you told me last time, but which the details of I didn't retain, of the screenwriter of Gone with the Wind.
3: Oh, as I, as I remember it, like he, he wrote this. <coughs> Wonderful script, you know, just perfect script to reduce that enormous novel into something that makes sense and is true to the original and moves right along. And it's funny. Yeah. And Over. for some reason, it was disliked or ignored at the studio, and they started filming without a script, and they're just filming things that they could film without a script, but eventually, uh, Selznick really needed a script, and there were four or five different versions of the script coming along, none of of which he liked, and somebody said, oh, Mr. Selznick, you know, remember that first script? Uh, It should be around here someplace, and yeah, okay, let's see it, it's perfect. Oh, we'll use that one. Now. So was that
2: was that one used with? Because I think the the official story that I keep hearing is that the they, they kept changing the script and so on. And so on. did they just go back there to were the original and just used, they just used it? That. Yeah. And then I mean, the, he would
3: fuss with scenes.
2: And then he never saw the finished product, the screen the screenwriter. No,
3: because he uh, he wasn't. As I recall it was the Oscar for it, but he, he was one of those writers who had a farm. Oh, fucking writers with farms. And arms. now yeah. out there, out of and, uh, he, something was wrong with his tractor. His tractor was in a garage or the barn. Thank you. Thank and there was something wrong with the tractor, so uh, he went around the front, the front of the tractor what was wrong, the tractor took off and it crushed him against the wall.
2: Right. And that was before the release. Uh, yeah, I uh-huh. So we never saw it.
3: You know, it was, uh, the preview was in Riverside. It's that theater that still exists, a block from the Michigan. Area.
2: Oh! Yeah, this is all the more reason to stay at the Mission Inn.
3: Yeah, I've I've never been in the theater, although I could if I wanted to pay for a rock concert, which is Do
2: they never show movies anymore? I don't know. Can we never stage a screening of our movie there? And... Well,
3: you can find that. Yeah, that that'd be good. But the story about that was that cells, you know, it had to be secret. Right. So they they told the audience, you know, if you want to stay around and see a preview uh, we'll we'll show you a preview of an important movie, but you can't we don't want you to talk about it we don't want you to leave in the middle
2: Right, and we want you, ideally we hope you have uh, mild dementia so you forget all about it after you see it
3: so Selznick uh, and friends went out in some cars and took the movie with them and was put on, and it was about to win, and it, it, they didn't have the music for it yet. Mm-hmm. So some kind of classical music was just playing in the background, some some of all the scenes. So that you would think that would sort of yeah you know, really hurt the movie, right? And at the end, everybody just sat there, no applause, nothing, and so they all thought, oh. What a horrible failure! And then the audience all started applauding wildly, left to their seats, and couldn't stop applauding.
2: Wow! That I've noticed that the best, the best, you know, um, the best sign is that silence at the end of it. Yeah. I think so. If they're if they're there, and if they're silent, because if they if they didn't like it, the first thing you're going to hear is. You're going to hear sighs of groans of relief. You're going to hear relief sounds. You're going to hear people getting up and, uh, and just like, oh, thank God it's over. But if they're just like frozen for 5, 10, 15 seconds, they don't even know what to do, that's a sign that they could really
3: sunk in. I always enjoyed interviewing people because um, I wanted to know how, how concretely they lived their lives. And I, I found that one way of getting people to to get into it and actually to remember things that they, they'd forgotten is to say, you know, you know, what kind of a house did she have? Um, uh, they, uh, what kind of pictures do you have on the yeah. wall? Oh, you know, I thought right. about it. You know, and then they it, light up
2: like a, right. like an Edison bulb all of a sudden.
3: That leads to, you know, 15% of the time it leads to something.
2: Yeah, because you're, and this is going to sound like method acting gobbledygook, but that's what it is. It's, you're like activating sensory memories and you're putting them right back into a scene, into a moment, into a feeling mood. The moment you do that, the moment you trigger a smell or a sight, something that's meaningful to them, it makes total sense. But did I tell you? So we got one, the New York Times, we released a film digitally uh, a couple weeks ago and we got a review from the a, a, a short shitty review from the New York Times. Our first negative review. Really. Yeah. So it knocked our Rotten Tomatoes score from a hundred percent to eighty-six percent. This one review.
3: What, what did What did they Was it signed?
2: Yeah, it was signed. It was signed, and it was, it was, it was, it was a. It reminded him of January six. Oh no. Yeah. So this would have never happened. It would have been a glowing review if this were if this came out before.
3: So he's, a, he's, a, so he's opposed to revolutions.
2: He's opposed to peaceful protest. Oh apparently. yeah. It's, it's, it's. Yeah, that's the new because now it reminds people of January six, and the host of the screening told me afterward. Everyone loved it, by the way. I, I expected. I mean, I could tell. And he was saying, you know, I was thinking in the bidding, maybe this does. not He saw this before. He saw he saw this a year ago, so he knew the movie. Said so, you know, I was thinking it did, it did sort of bring up January 6th in like, but that's not fair. That's No, this is not January 6th. I'm like...
3: Uh, did you get any questions like that from the, uh, the people in the audience last night, the median age of which was 80?
2: Yeah, the median age was 80, which is fine by me, because I know nothing more than a white boomer audiences. This is my favorite audience.
3: Those people?
2: They're the best audience. I, in my, I mean, did you see
3: those people when they came in? Everybody except me was wearing a mask.
2: Oh, there are the, the, but but there are people who, in that Cinema Society club, there are people who refuse to come because of the mask. Right. Yeah, he told me that they whispered and said, we have some anti-vaxxers and the thing. And I'm like, well,
3: okay. Well, okay. but there was no requirement that you were a mask.
2: You didn't have to wear a mask while sitting down. You just have to wear it theoretically oh, while walking well, through the theater. I, I didn't. Yeah, well, you know, who's going to stop you?
3: Well, I thought maybe the the very conscientious checker of my vaccination card. Right.
2: Uh, Oh, no. Right. Well, that's the thing. You just, at some point, if there were enough people to find, none but of this there was, would stick. But I was the only one? Yeah. You were the only one. I mean, but they're, but they're... This is a movie that appeals very easily to liberal sensibilities. I mean, they were all over it before. Sure. It's just this one January 6th thing that now triggers certain people. Um, but they were all positive. One of them, hilariously... The only stupid question was this guy asked me why wasn't Greta Thun- literally why wasn't Greta Thunberg in this movie? I literally got that question, and I don't think he was joking.
3: What, playing the part of the madman?
2: I don't know what the fuck he was. I he wasn't joking. He was crazy. He ended up buying three Blu-rays. Uh, we're ready. Yes. Sorry, uh, I kept you hanging
3: for a second. I got the Um. um the chicken couscous. chicken couscous. Chicken couscous.
2: Got it. I'm gonna try the rigagnato but can I instead of instead of the baked lemon potatoes because I don't eat potatoes? Can I get the um, side salad, Mediterranean salad?
1: Um, we don't swap for the salad, but I can do like the rice pilaf or the lentil uh, pilaf.
2: Is there anything non-carby? that you have in that department. Okay. Um, not, what,
3: what dish are you looking at?
1: I'm not sure if the sauteed veggies are an even swap or not. Like the... Oh, right. The ratatouille,
2: it's like a... It comes with ratatouille, oh. anyway. But, uh, okay, you know what? Do you have, like... Okay, if I'm going to go... If I'm going to get evil, do you have fries? No. Okay. Um, all right, whatever. Then just bring it as... Okay. Is. And then I'll add a side Mediterranean salad. Okay. With no pita. No bread involved. Okay. Thank you.
3: I
0: thought
3: they were,
2: they look like dingbats. Oh, well, dingbats are fine as long as they're old. I like old dingbats. What I don't want is young, stupid dingbats.
3: Oh, I I can do without
2: any. I know, but you, well, you're you, you're up to your ears in both in all of them. But I uh, I'm also happy to have no Armenians in the audience. That's always great, always great. Because now Armenians are totally, especially here, are totally divided on this. Whereas before, it was. The, the parade of the century over both the event and the movie. I mean, they just it, the love that I got, we got in theaters before the war. I'm showing this in before pandemic was just any unlike anything I've I've ever, I'm ever going to experience.
3: Well, what's the matter with them?
2: They blame uh, Nicole for the loss of our oh, Yeah, so they just turn on and die. And I mean, they're still you know it's it's divided. It's not. 100% negative, but it's 50, 50%. And the 50% is very loud and very, very angry. Um, it's more so here than in Armenia, which just re-elected him, despite the fact that he lost the war. So, you know, you figure that... Anyway. That's a whole bag of beans that's just not even worth
3: it. How long did the war last? Right?
2: 44 days. And they it was it was 44 days of absolute absolute historical torture for everyone following because every day it's you're just like you're up all night looking at the uh, uh-huh. one disgusting video after another.
3: Well, I'll do a review of it.
2: Oh, great. That's that's always nice to have.
3: The only problem is it reminds me of January sixth. <laughs> In a good way. <laughs> In a good way. <laughs> No innocent woman being shot by police. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: no, that's true. That didn't happen. Oh my God, what a anyway. No need to get into that shit show. Does Joanne still do reviews?
3: For... She does, but she's disgusted with the, uh, cinema right now. Well, who, who, I mean, who isn't? And and there isn't much taste. of it, frankly. No, she there... enjoys going to movies.
2: Uh, right. one movie that. I liked. It's new. Um, we all liked. is called Another Round. It was. It actually won the Oscar for Best Foreign Film. It's um. It's with Mads Mikkelsen. It's a really well done, midlife crisis movie. Uh, that I would recommend to whoever is looking for a new movie that's actually good. And it's all white people in it. That's what. <laughs> that's how you know it's. You can imagine an all white person movie winning. Oscar right. or and it won, it won all these other awards too. It's that it's that undeniable. It's Dutch, I believe, if I remember. Well, it's Dutch.
3: They, they're not entirely Paris
2: no, but this one, but in this movie, you do not, you, you know, you need to bring your shades because there's a lot of white, there's a lot, a lot of white shining, and it's great.
0: <laughs>
2: it's about it's you know, have you seen the movie Le Grand Buffet? Yeah, a long so time ago. Right. It's strangely, and I don't know if it's, I don't know intent if it's intentional, but it must be. But it's somewhat in the, if you can think of that movie as a as its own genre, it's some it's it. it this follows this follows in its footsteps, except that instead of food, it's alcohol. Okay. I don't know
0: why
3: I'm thinking about this, but if TCM shows. Little shop around the corner. One more time.
0: <laughs> um,
2: is this like is, is that is that its go to like apparently uh, it is like one of the like uh, one of the fucking songs in, on you know like the FM like top forty radio where it's just you hear it in five minutes. Yeah, that's the...
3: So it's, it's Jimmy Stewart playing a guy who works in a shop that sells musical instruments in Hungary. Oh, so you weren't expecting that, were you? I didn't expect it to punchline. It's because punch it was written by some Hungarian. Hungarian Jew, Jew, yeah. And, uh, you, I don't know, maybe.
2: Well, but in Hollywood, Hungarian? No, I don't know. Okay.
3: I think it, it pre-existed, in Hollywood. Oh, okay. And it was a play, and blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's this movie that TCM thinks everybody... You know, tens of millions of families sit around <laughs> watching and this is the high point of their They lives. must
2: get some kind of data that supports I don't think
3: they get any data at all. What data should they have? I don't know. They do polling? I don't think so. If they did, they wouldn't show that they've gone well, really they have gone to hell, but they're getting
2: it. they're getting well, yeah, that's I it. Mean, it's that, like a Bob Dylan line.
3: <laughs> not only did they have you know, continual in the introduction so forth, naive left wing propaganda, all about blacklists and so forth. Communists are never mentioned. No 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 blacklists no. are yeah. constant. But they have uh, they've largely devoted their evening schedules to themes. As Chris Guevara said, um, maybe we reached the major of that when their theme for the evening was roller skating.
2: Oh, okay.
3: Now, who who's pining for? I, I want to spend an evening watching five films about
0: Oh, they have
3: one about small towns. Well, there aren't movies about small towns. Not any good ones. There are a lot of movies that take place. I in mean, small did they just
2: play Meet Me in St. Louis on a loop for that one? Because that sound that seems to me not like small. This enough. One. That's not small enough.
3: Um, it was. Um, What's the one the Hitchcock movie where
2: uh, oh, Joseph
3: uh, Cotton? Yeah, That's yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Right? It's uh, it's his, it's the one that he always would call his his best. It's it's
3: which is it isn't.
2: Which it's not, ah, of course. It's, it's never the one thing. See that ne- would come out on that. But I'm 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 blanking on the name. Uh, uh, suspicion something.
3: I think it's suspicion, but you know, he it's, has not, all it's not me, it's one not one word things. It's
2: not one word though. I'm fucking it up because it's it's not notorious. It's not. It's some. I'll, I'm gonna fumble. Joseph Patton.
3: Some some cliche.
2: I can't let this go without because it's such a movie that I'm supposed to know and it's just a blank spot. It's okay the most among the it's a light bulb movie it's the one where he's serving it's the one where he's bringing up the glass of milk which is lit with a light bulb inside the glass of milk when he's yeah when he's that's how yeah I remember Hitchcock describing this in his Truffaut interview it was lit with a uh, shadow of a doubt shadow of a doubt it's not the one it's not a one word but yeah it's 1943 which is so early when you think of Hitchcock in America it's like almost his second film in America yeah Rebecca being the first which is interesting in that it wasn't an American it's not set in America but it's his first American film right?
3: Uh, I think so yeah, yeah. it is uh, I watched that, that again the other day and, I need to rewatch watch that uh, you know I still like it a lot but my plan to show it to at least one friend collapsed because I realized that that's a very hard set
2: who's the friend and how old because that's a big question uh, oh my or, how, or what the sensibility is, like?
3: Well, very intelligent person is willing to put up with a lot, but uh, much much younger, you know, in mid-20s. Um,
2: oh, okay, your, assist, your yeah, assistant, your assistant. Yeah, my assistant.
3: But I just thought even on uh, even Sarah's not going
2: to be able to... But maybe he'll... Here's the thing. Oh, not
3: that's, that's a long term. I mean, I think he just wouldn't like it.
2: You have to... I think to like that and again I haven't seen it in maybe 15 years but I think I saw it like in college
3: it'll be interesting for you, I you I, it's
2: it. definitely worth me revisiting um, I mean I always will rewatch something that's you know by Hitchcock or anyone else but like uh, I think the Miss Danvers character oh, yeah. is where the money is on that oh absolutely of course it is and uh, that's
3: I mean there's fantastic things about the movie. I'm not. I'm not criticizing the movie. Right. No, okay. you're just saying it's. It's a little.
2: It well, it's definitely. It's not the surefire introduction to Hitchcock if that's what you're trying to do.
3: No, he knows all. He knows enough about Hitchcock. Uh, I just thought it You know, it's a good movie, and yeah. we, we've seen a lot of movies together, so I thought, well, maybe that one. But uh, I, but in high school, I even read those novels. I thought it was pretty good.
2: I've heard the novels, good, but I never, I haven't read it. Of course,
3: in high school, I thought a lot of novels were pretty good and turned out not to be. But I think she's probably a very good storyteller.
2: Is she, is the novel as, or in the, in the category of as, uh, as, oh, uh, uh, as, <laughs> incisive about women as uh, Gone with the Wind, is, which I haven't read, but which I've been told is the ultimate novel about Feminine about feminine wiles.
3: I guess I'm the wrong person to ask about about the psychological component because, well, I mean it's about women, so I'm not a woman. That's that's a problem. But also in high school I wasn't thinking about. You weren't thinking about. The, you haven't read it since
2: high school. You wouldn't know Right, you were just following the I, the storyline.
3: I think, going with the women's just fine. I don't, I don't think there's any. I mean, women's wiles, yeah, but they're they're just on. They're right there for you to see in the movie and in the novel same, same thing. Right. you uh, don't you know go you know, crazy analyzing Scarlet Farrah.
0: Right. Or any other. I mean I think
3: it's a perfectly good novel. I think it's a very good novel. Uh but, but
2: When is the last time you looked at it?
3: Oh 10 years, ago. 10 years, ago. 10 years ago. Ten years ago. It was still good.
2: It's a, it, it might have new it might have gained resonance over the last 10 years because a lot has happened in the last 10 years in terms of dominant uh, cultural psyches if you know what I mean so I can see why uh, I can see why it might have emerged over the last 10 years as a real as a real guidebook to perhaps all the crazy things we deal with if you're if you're in my generation and 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 especially if you're hooked into all the online madness and Me Too and everything?
3: Okay. I, don't, I, I don't think it's a bad to anything. I don't think it's... I mean, it has some stereotypes in it, but they're not all interesting stereotypes to me. Right. Um, I mean, Margaret Mitchell liked pornography, you can sort of tell. But it's really soft for... I mean, it's
2: the softest of soft. Well, the one that she performed is the soft. She, she's writing softcore pornography in the book.
3: It's a sexy romance. Right. There's, well, there's, the
2: rape scene. There are rape scenes, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah.
3: no? Oh, yeah. Is or right. is it just... You just, see, just, I said no because it's so wrong.
2: Right. It's not Ayn Randian rape. No. Right. No, thank God. It's not...
3: Uh,
2: well, not thank God. I mean, you know, it's just a shame because those rape scenes hold up. I just read Mountain Head... Yeah. yeah, the rape scenes hold up very. Really? well. Oh yeah.
3: Boy, it was terrible in the
2: movie. Well, the movie, the movie is, the movie you have. I mean, we're all. I had to, when I rewatched the movie, I was so appreciative of the miracle of its existence
0: <laughs>
2: that that it wipes away all, you know little details of... All the little things go away, are washed away. Because the minute you turn on the movie and it it zooms in on the book opening up, and you go into the book and the first thing you hear is self-sacrifice that's the
0: thing you see <laughs> and you're like
2: how did anyone understand what the fuck anyone's talking about but they did and then you appreciate that the fact that this movie exists is, a, is such a, an achievement of this woman's will that oh, sure. it wipes away every every little critique you could possibly have
3: but i don't agree with that thinking... which is what uh, which that is, it wipes away it. It wipes,
2: well why i mean when is the last time you've seen it
3: Uh, About uh, six months ago.
2: Oh, okay. You've seen her... Well, that's the same time I saw it, basically.
3: So, Anser and I watched it together, and he he liked it. Uh, And we were both laughing at the the, the so-called rape scene.
2: I don't even remember in the movie how the rape was accomplished. Oh, my God. Right. Uh, I was just so pleased to be watching the movie, honestly.
3: You know, the first uh, article number one, issue number one of Liberty Magazine was my article about the films of Iran right from and in there I revealed them. Mediterranean thank you would you get any more
0: coffee
3: um I um, will yes I'd like some coffee uh, I and milk is that
1: okay that's
3: no, fine uh, I revealed the astonishing fact that there's some things that you tolerate very well and, uh, on the page and they look absolutely horrible in movies and that's
2: what I... The, the rape scene?
3: Yeah. I can't imagine the scene that's working, I mean, just in the sense of being ludicrous.
2: But I'm... But it's just...
0: The... I, I don't remember now. I
2: can't... For some reason, I don't, have a, I don't have a vivid memory of the physical rape scene. Maybe because... It's without, not very physical. No, it's not very... Well, but how physical could it have gotten in 1949? Well, could, you um, can't, you can't. It
3: never make things physical yeah.
2: No, but in the book... It's, I there the, to me there was no there, it's not it's not laughable at all she really
3: I agree you know but as I remember I mean I like the fountainhead a lot, but I haven't read it more for that but, uh, but I, yeah I of course I remember I agree with that right. But in the movies oh just like uh, everybody laughs when they see it
2: but you know in the in the. Isn't the fact that they even tried to depict it a somewhat of an achievement? Yeah, yeah. I mean, how, how did they even. Because 49 is pretty. It's like right in that unholy period of. like It's, it's co- pretty code heavy, right? Movies right. at that time. Yeah. More so than in like early 40s, and way more so than by the time Psycho blew well, the so. doors off.
3: I suppose so. Uh, or, that might be too fine a calibration.
2: Yeah. One thing that I found myself appreciating about the movie that I I remember our old, like the conclusion that, well, Gary Cooper is obviously too old to be Howard Rourke, I appreciated him in the movie watching it this time.
3: Oh, he's too old to be the, the young Howard Rourke. The
2: young Howard Rourke, yeah, which is most of the novel. Yes. I mean, he ends at 36. Yes, sure. like, I mean. Yeah, Although that's sort of
3: like, how old is Scarlett O'Hara when she starts in the novel? I think she's 16.
2: Well, but sixteen in those days. Wow, well,
3: that's that's what I'd like to believe yeah. There's
2: a lot of mileage on that
3: sixteen. Of those days. <laughs> I'm glad uh, the
2: waitress left it. Yeah. that was, uh, As opposed to having to her, Yeah, right? it's nice to. It's nice not to get thrown into the gulag when you're overheard talking about sixteen-year-olds. She
3: could be seventeen. She could be seventeen. Could be seventeen. Eat, eat.
2: No, put, yeah, no, I'm just marveling at the, the fact that I think there's blue cheese in this so-called Mediterranean R- salad. It looks very
3: much like blue cheese to me.
2: Uh, oh, well. I don't like blue cheese. I don't either. Especially not in, uh, you know, cheese form.
3: Oh, my God, that's awful stuff.
2: I don't know. I've never seen walnuts or blue cheese in a Mediterranean salad. No, neither have ne- I. But, you know,
3: it was the first nice. time for everything. Walnut's are mess. Yeah, alright. They're they're awful to get out of the shop.
2: They they stick to my teeth or something. They do something with my mouth that I don't like. Not a big deal.
3: They produce a very high quality wood.
2: Wood? Oh yeah, walnut wood everyone talks about. That makes sense well you definitely want to think of yourself as eating wood <laughs> don't you
0: uh,
2: <laughs> high quality wood. Uh,
3: there's a cartoon.
1: should uh, I take the calamari out of the or we no, still we'll still like, okay. yeah. there's
0: uh, a, and then so
3: you might
1: need
3: your fork uh, or, or do you uh, want a fresh one uh, there's a a, cart- a cartoon in the old New Yorker when New Yorker cartoons were good I think short of a well dressed man obviously a businessman of some kind but, Kneeling next to his bed and praying. I don't ask for much, but what I get should be of very high quality.
2: Can I have Oregonado? That's me, yeah. Thank, Thank you.
3: you. Oh, that's hot. This is the chicken
0: piece case. Thank you. It's a, a, a little bit hot, hot,
3: hot underneath. To. Thanks.
0: Enjoy. <laughs> Thank you.
2: That's. Uh, well, he looks authentically Greek. He does. Well, could I mean he's probably he's probably like Dominican, but you know. He had with the curly long hair. He pulls it off.
3: We should ask her for salt.
2: Oh they don't this is a thing I've noticed in restaurants now is they don't yes. put salt on the table or pepper.
3: They, they, yeah, we're not to be trusted. With We've been
2: yeah, we're they're really stripping things down. Are they afraid of all the uh, pagan, uh, the pagan fortunes we're going to unleash if we toss it over our shoulder or spill uh, it or uh, whatever?
3: Uh, 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 oh, could we have some salt? Yeah. When I was the head of university committees, and there was a catered event, as there was fairly frequently, you know, you have an all-day meeting and so forth. Yeah. I insisted that there be salt and pepper, and never once. Were they able to provide salt and pepper? Never.
2: <laughs> Which is convenient because you just know that these catered meals are always seasoned. So so oh, they, they 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 tend to be over seasoned, right? <laughs> so of course who needs salt and pepper? Don't they're never dry and no, desperately in need of anything you no, can possibly no, throw no, on. They it. never are. Yeah.
3: And and of course, we have to have high regard for everyone's health which of course
2: is in, greatly imperiled by the presence of flavor, salt and pepper. This is the one, I hope are you going to I hope I wish your your generation it's too late for them. But <laughs> it's too late because of the whole food pyramid scam that's got that 50 oh, yeah. years of brainwashing. But I do I would love to like represent your generation in a class action lawsuit against whatever the corn or sugar industry for convincing you that salt and flavor are the are the evil. Not sugar. <laughs> and this has been something that I don't think people can get out of their heads. So salt is not a problem.
3: Although I haven't heard cholesterol mentioned in a long Well, time.
2: because it's been completely debunked now sure. for years and years. But it took, I, you know, I mean, I, I constantly have to repeat to the people in my family who grew up on this concept of cholesterol And sodium being problems, that it's it's all fake. I I I think it's gotten through to them a little bit because they're just realizing now, oh, I I can eat, I can enjoy my food if I'm eating the right food. I don't have to suffer, you know. Anyway, it pisses me off, but whatever.
3: Of course, if you have a serious heart condition, you shouldn't be indulging in salt because it just increases the.
2: I guess if you're right on the on the, if you're, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't trust anything anymore. (laughs) I just don't know. I mean, I would say, yeah, sure, if you're in a dangerous heart condition, then suddenly some things might apply. That makes sense. Logically, I just don't know if they know that that's true or if that's a lingering superstition or what. I don't know.
3: No, it's like, it may be like, uh, there's a scene in Albert Gantry where, An evangelist has just given one of his patented talks to a traveling guy, and he's respected. And so, one of the things he does when he visits a town is to give a talk to the male young people. That's about avoiding masturbation. Mm-hmm. And then he and, and not to mention drink.
0: Well, they uh,
2: go
3: hand in hand. And tobacco. Anyway, so then you see him getting on the train to go to the next town, and the first thing he does is to take out a flask uh, and uh, start in on a whiskey. And then he he thinks, well, you know, I really hate telling telling those guys this stuff
0: because
3: none of it's true. (laughs) But, you know... How could it hurt that?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the—that really does capture the essence of liberal propaganda over the last seventy years, doesn't it?
3: I heard, um, according to Fauci, just blandly explaining too much about about how he lied about her the it. Right.
2: Oh, well, he lied about masks. He lied about everything. lied about
3: everything. But he was talking about, you know, look, he said that herd immunity was 60, and then he said it could be 70%. And and he said, oh, I don't know. Yeah, sure, maybe, you know. Probably less than that or something. And, uh, you know, I just thought, you know, you know I like, need to make an impression on it. Right. Yeah, but that he was
2: clear from the get-go. Well, but that's clear from the get-go, and, you know, my unpopular opinion about it is that I don't blame Dr. Fauci. I blame every single halfwit in the, in the entire country who can clearly perceive that he's saying the tone that you just imitated was the tone in which he said everything. Yeah. He's like, oh, you, well, yeah, but don't, don't see your family for the next three years. Just play it safe. And it's like, yeah, I get He's He's being a bureaucrat who's trying to play it safe, why are you perceiving this as a five, uh, a five fire alarm, you know, warning? Like, how how screwed up are? Have you never had to deal with speculative information in your life? I just don't get how people are so compliant and slavish. I just don't get it.
3: I I don't get it either. It's a, it's a, it's a complete mystery to me. And, and, you know, the way they, they use a completely different way of thinking about this stuff from what they use in
2: everything else. Yes. Yeah, yeah, every other thing, especially since the, it's like, no, never do they stop to think that if they applied the same risk aversion to every other risk, they would live in a straitjacket and never go into their car, never go, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense, like, the guy was telling me last night, because he does cruises, as you gathered from the intro, oh, yeah, this, problem. Oh. yeah, yeah, so, he does cruises, and he was telling, and, and he's, they're doing cruises again, and he's oh, telling, me,
0: good, good, thank you, um,
2: we have a good history of pretty waitresses, I, I now realize, Lunches over the years. Yeah, I thought he
3: used to look pretty too.
2: Yeah. They're both, they're <laughs> both in similarly, in similar ways.
3: <laughs> they're actually the same person.
2: Yeah, they're actually the same. They just want so different wigs. <laughs> different wigs <laughs> depending on the task. Well, usually we get waitresses, though. We don't get pretty waiters. We That's right. We just get, he's the bus boy, I think.
3: Um.
2: um well, what was I saying? Oh, the cruise ship thing. Apparently, I was asking him. He's been doing these cruises to give lectures about his stories and stuff, so whatever. And I asked him if there have been outbreaks. And, you know, if there's an outbreak, are people jumping overboard and freaking out? And apparently the, the most there's been on a cruise of 1,300 are three three people getting infected.
3: What the
2: I guess they get trapped in their room for the rest of the cruise. But... They, first of all they're getting they, all, they obviously all have to be vaxed to get in there. They're all they all have to be tested within so many hours of oh, entering right. the ship. They're going to be tested on the ship. Da, 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 da. But imagine that only 3 cases on an on a 13-day cruise. That's got to be I mean imagine if someone had a normal cold or flu. It would spread like wildfire. So this is like the least viral thing I've ever heard of in that context. Right. <laughs> right. right.
3: Yeah, all this I mean well here follows but but will be omitted uh my usual romance about how even educated people don't bother to look at statistics.
0: But I've noticed that
3: the more this goes away, the more insistent some
0: people are.
2: Right. Well because it's the it's a it's that dreaded word. Lifestyle at this point, and it's an ideology, and it's a religion. I, I mean, in a, in a stupid, mild way.
3: You know, the LA count, LA county. Is it county or city? Either the county or the city. Today. they're both.
2: They're both the same. Shit. So. Same
3: shit. But they they decided to make everybody prove their vaccination or render a restaurant.
2: Uh, yeah. I don't, I'm, you know I had resolved years ago to love LA, warts and all, it's my home it's where I'm, you know, it's my place and I can't see myself living anywhere else, I just feel like I'm doomed to that place forever, but man is it getting, it's really putting a strain on, it. it is so bad it is so fucking bad in LA there is some pockets of the old LA, and what I, I don't even know what I mean by the old LA, except that it's alive. You know, you can find those pockets. It's big enough that you can find pockets. Of, you can find an Armenian card room that's been open throughout this whole thing really? illegally. Yeah, right, right around my corner. Oh, good for them. Good for them. By the way, Armenia, there's no COVID in Armenia. It's—they all had it. They've all had it five times. They've all died, come back to life, died again, come back. Whatever it is, but but on, in terms of a lifestyle thing, it's zero which was great to see. I was there for a week, uh, a couple months. Oh, a couple oh. weeks ago. Yeah, it was nice to see. I was I've never felt I I I'd never felt more proud of my people than just witnessing them being alive uh-huh. compared to what this this graveyard.
1: How
3: how um how easy was it to fly?
2: It was a pain in the fucking ass. I had to get tested going in without knowing it cuz I'm vaccinated. I had to still get a test. Europe is a pain in the ass. You mean going in where? Going into any country. I mean, I was first going to Portugal. I had to get tested. I had to miss my flight because I didn't... didn't, I wasn't informed that I needed a test in addition to my vaccination within 48 hours of boarding the flight. So I had to take a fucking test in the airport. Thankfully, there was another flight within that same day.
3: This is imposed by your airline? The the country.
2: Each country Uh, incoming. So... It was poor in Europe. It's really bad. Um, I don't know if I know some countries they've loosened. I know like no- Norway. I just heard they don't they don't give a shit about anything anymore, including masks. I'm very proud of the Nordic people, of the Scandinavian yeah. Sweden, Norway. I didn't know I didn't expect that they would be so uh, independent on this, but they really they're the opposite of what like Australia, which turned out to be the worst place in the history of the universe.
3: You know what happened in, in New South Wales in the past few days? No. Which is, is, is the seed of this evil. The the premier of the province and several several of her closest political allies abruptly quit their jobs because it was announced that there was going to be a corruption. In right,
2: the right, and the premier is fuck me, he's an Armenian chick. Oh, no, that's right. Yeah. So... You know, not the finest moment, but yeah, I saw that. But I'm just so over. I mean, I'm just. I the thing is, I've always liked Australians personally, and I've and I had a trip there for the first movie. It was great. Um, I like Australians. I thought that was a. I thought they were sort of like the you know Americans of the whatever Asia. (laughs) that's that what they technically are close to? Um, But man. I don't know if it's just the victory of British propaganda, uh, what it is, but this is I can't imagine having lived there for the last two years, right? Really weird. And on the other hand, Scandinavia, which I would never would have suspected would be the, the hero out of all this. So anyway, they're fine, but my point is in Europe, I have to show my backscard to get to order water sitting outside at Cafe Kafka. Café Kafka The Café Kafka Whatever that means it's, it's apparently been around a while It's well known This was in Vienna Anything you, Anywhere you wanted to sit You have to show your Vax card So it's the same So now we're imitating that shit show I guess in LA Great You know I res, I have the Vax card But I resent
3: all of it 100% of it but Yeah, just the ignorance is
0: offensive
3: You know, New Zealand is now going to let people, allegedly, let people go to and fro Mm -hmm. and not try to extirpate it completely. They'll probably figure out you can't do that. But um, we're going to keep all the other restrictions until everybody's vaccinated. no
2: possibility for pharmaceutical corruption at all like, no, no, mandating no. that 100% of the population uh, right
3: the whole thing about a booster shot well, Pfizer came out with that you know in February saying oh yeah we'll have, have boosters every that. six
2: months maybe they should have a booster of the month club like the old book of the month club <laughs> and a lot of boomers are going to sign up to that
0: mm-hmm.
2: proudly they'll get a little uh like a little map as a gift, you know, map of all the vaccination clinics or whatever, as a, as a gift,
3: <laughs> gift in the mail. I read the other day that the, either the, I think it's probably the median rather than the average age of death, allegedly from COVID,
0: okay.
3: is higher than the life expectancy <laughs> <laughs>
0: 104 year old exactly. at 104. Exactly.
3: Right. <laughs> Strut <down> is that 104 struck down in his <laughs> five right this just teaches how everyone should take responsibility for keeping everyone safe mm-hmm. For, of course, UCSD. went absolutely crazy about this, and I'm still trying to figure out whether to whether to stay on the list for teaching a class starting in uh, January, January through March. Because I'm retired, so I don't have to do anything. Right, but you could. I, I said, yeah, I could, well, I, would do it. I, thought I would do it, but now they're thinking about maintaining the mask mandate. So,
2: so you'd be you're indoors. You mean, you're lecturing with a mask on. I can't see
3: myself giving twenty-eight lectures. The, they must mean
2: the students. No.
3: no, 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 no. They mean everybody. Well,
2: so you're gonna wear a Darth Vader mask with a microphone in it? That's what they're it?
3: doing, not right now. No, not with a microphone in it.
2: How the fuck can you be audible through a mask? You can. You can. Okay. I haven't tried because I, I can't even I can't even communicate to a to a hotel clerk at the front desk through a mask. They can't hear anything I say. They I'm probably too. couldn't anyway. Like
3: maybe,
0: maybe so, yeah. I, I, I
3: mean, it doesn't help, but I think I think it's minimal. Because after all, the mask doesn't clap anything. <laughs> no,
2: but i But it's. But it's. But I hate but talking. For for it. But I hate talking. For it. I hate the whole idea. I hate everything about it. It smells. It makes me feel like you know my breath is a punishment for being alive or something. Yeah. Just, there's nothing good about it. And you know, shame on the Asian nations that <laughs> made it made it like a, an artifact of their existence yeah. years ago. Doesn't seem worth the juice. Doesn't seem worth the squeeze on masks, it's not just worth generally, anything. just generally. I mean, I get it if you're wearing a big gas mask and you're you know you're truly protected from everything. That's worthwhile.
3: No, um, surgeons just wear masks okay. so that they don't. Suddenly spit into the.
2: Body. Right, drop the gum in your, in right. your
3: heart. Right? No, it's not so. That's all that it does. I mean, it, it, it protects me from having some guy rush up to me and spit
0: on me. Right. What would
2: Isabel Patterson say uh, about all this? I wanted to ask you about her. That's too easy a question. Well, yeah, I know. I know. I wanted to ask you about her because, because I always think I'm always thinking about her, um, especially in, in in recent years. And I'm thinking about her. I'm thinking about her because I'm always wondering. You know, she's like this. She's the prototype of the of someone who is so independent and was so. Committed to speaking the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, that it, it ended up essentially sidelining her from.
3: Another uh, Not me, or you. Oh, you're um,
2: sure. I'm good. I'm good. Thank
3: you.
2: Um, it, you know, I mean, ended up sidelining her from kind of.
3: Uh, I don't think it. I, I don't think. It, I mean, I, it, okay. Well, there were co-
2: There were costs, right? There were costs. I,
3: I think her. She. Um, I think fifty percent of the responsibility is because is hers because she didn't not, not that of her opinions, but that she. Well,
2: that's what I mean, though. I'm talking about her. I'm talking about how she conducted herself. The her thing, yeah. Right, not the opinions.
3: It wasn't that she ever yelled at people. Well, she never yelled. But.
2: Uh, I mean, my read of it is because I see this playing out in the present day with certain people, and and it's just, it's just, it's something I struggle with myself. It's it's a matter of. When do you? It's not your opinions, but to whom and how often must you express your protest against what is false and what is kind of fake? You know. Well, she
3: she do. I mean, she would do fine in, as a in the internet environment if she was if she she got venues that uh, she could quarrel with. But that was her problem. Right? She she would quarrel. She would personally quarrel with friends. This, on, is, on this ideological is friends.
2: right ideological friends. Well, this is exa- that's what I that's what I'm getting at because this is exactly what uh, if you're very online in these times and probably ever. I think this was the case in, before social media was invented, but now it's been accelerated, obviously. And something I noticed is that inevitably there is this math equation where you end up quarreling with your friends. And then to the point where you stop talking to each other, you block each other. This happens over and over and over over again. Um, especially, some, this is something I've been noticing now, being online for the last pandemic, for during the, you know through the pandemic. And it reminds me of her. And it reminds me of her breaking with Ayn Rand. And it reminds me of her breaking with Buckley and breaking yeah. with all of it. And breaking, 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 breaking to the point where you know, there was no one left to, no, there was no one <laughs> left to to peddle her 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 wares.
3: Although, um, she um, about the quarrel with Rand, the only information we have comes from Rand, which is yeah, the world's most reliable source. Right, right, um, and. Patterson made attempts to reinitiate correspondence, and it was, it was unsuccessful.
2: Well, at that point, this is important. So I'm sliding this central because this is, this is very important. At that point, Rand had gotten hardened to a great degree. No, She didn't herself. need. She, didn't
3: need it. she didn't need anybody.
2: She did She didn't need Patterson. Right. Although she did need friends, because she didn't really have any real ones. But well, she wanted
3: young male friends.
2: Well, who doesn't? <laughs> but you could still use a sister every now and then, you know what I
3: mean? Um, well,
2: know, People need to be more cognizant of the sister-brotherness. I mean, that kind of friend,
3: too. She, she'd been sick of being intimidated by Pat.
2: That's the thing. It was, there was an intimidation. There was a generational thing that she probably felt like Pat spoke down to her.
3: She did. And she probably did. <laughs> a part of it was that, that Rand didn't read very much, so Patterson would say, oh, well, this is, you know, you got this wrong. You know, this is what actually happened during the Reformation or something. Right. And um, if we had the whole correspondence, we'd get a better picture of that. But we just have clusters of that their correspondence between the time when Rand left for Hollywood. Late uh, uh, forty-three, and the time when Patterson showed up in uh, in the valley in nineteen forty-eight. There'd be months when there wasn't any correspondence. You could tell that from the extant correspondence, but there's also plenty of correspondence that probably. Because one or both of them off that we don't have because they just like oh fuck I'm like, exactly it. or off. is
2: it I mean is it possible that any of these letters that Patterson sent to Rand are sitting in some stash in uh, under Leonard Peikoff's pillow or something? Yeah, I
3: mean, not under his pillow I think because he's sort of out of it. But well maybe <laughs> maybe that's a reason for the beat. But. Um, they could be misfiled someplace in the Rand, right. Rand Papers, but it's, it's increasingly unlikely that they exist exactly she and I know, I, know, I, know I know that Pat didn't keep keep,
2: keep shit down. I could see Rand tearing up the letter angrily you know sure. sexually frustrated because whatever young young man has left just left her her valley or
3: just um, you know you have had to sort of pay attention to some of the things that Pat was saying so, the medieval church, she would talk and talk. She, you know, and I understand it, but why should I, in i bend every effort to...
2: Right, like, right. It. It's interesting about, we recall, the, the, the phrase for someone like Isabel Patterson now is galaxy brain. But in her case, whenever I would read anything I've read by her, including the, the pieces in Culture and Liberty... The collection of her works that you you assembled, and of course God of the Machine. These are the only two examples I have. They're so lucid at every yeah. that she wrote everything in a manner that could be understood oh, yeah. at least you know by a, by your cook. They're like,
3: de- they're not demanding in that sense, no. but you.
2: But they're factually demanding. they're because
3: Factually you demanding, you have to be interested in the topic in ways that Rand wasn't. Yeah. Especially when ordinarily. Well, in the Extant Correspondence, I think those things come up when Patterson is saying, no, you got this wrong.
2: Right. She's, co- yeah, correcting him on everything. But
3: where that correspondence really shows, you know, Rand is bragging to her about, oh, I've been studying philosophy, and she's reading these snippets of philosophy. Reader's she,
2: Digest. Uh, that
3: sort of, yeah, that, that sort of stuff. And Pat, you know, I could just see Pat just like... Exasperated. for of God's sake, <laughs> yeah. you know. And, and, and then she so she's trying to fill in what wasn't there and so on. Whereas, you know, we read Chris Cabarrus uh, exhaustive research on what ran supposedly studied. and you know, What she got her degree in was history. And a lot of that was, you know, the philosophic views of. It. But, I don't think she paid the least bit of attention.
2: I wouldn't have if I was
3: a... Uh, probably I wouldn't have either. Yeah. But, they know No impact at all. Right. I mean, her view of history, I mean, Bill Bradford uh, mentioned that that one time Rand and I think her husband had had dinner with, uh, what's his first name, Robert Welch, the founder of the John Birch Society, and his wife, and he said... That was the only time in Rand's life where she encountered a person who knew less about history than she did. It's <laughs> perfectly true.
2: Right. <laughs> she didn't. She, you know, she felt like she took only what she needed.
3: Right. And and you know when she when you read about what essay is it where she's talking about picture the men of the Renaissance. It was her waking yeah. up to this whole you know. Yeah, like, yeah She, she,
2: no. Yeah. It was what a
3: lot of rubbish.
2: Well. But you know, it was uh, it was she. She was uh, that was a pure polemic. That was a pure crowd rousing. For but a certain... she
3: believed it, you know. She wasn't going to write anything she didn't. Think no, of course she believed it.
2: But she worked. But that's how she worked herself into the the sort of uh, like emotional lather. That, that produces a vision like the Fountainhead too. It's like they go hand. It, it's all part of the same. Fo- it's all part of the same calculus of her soul, really. She sees every intellectual event in history as this dramatic battle with heroes and with villains, and, and that was her filter.
3: Yeah, but this, you know this is. Uh, that's what happens in religious cults too. Right. If they have any idea of history, they picture themselves being on center stage.
2: Right. Well, you're not. You're not. You're not going to be an extra like Frank O'Connor, <laughs> right?
3: Uh, he's on strike. He's on a
2: strike with the uh, yeah with the uh, Yatzi or whatever.
3: Oh <laughs> no, um, Poor guy. Yeah. They didn't know what hit him.
2: Oh my God! Can you imagine having lived? I mean. It's sad only because you know that he just all he would have wanted is to just garden out right. the rest of his fucking days in San Bernardino, you know.
3: Not San Bernardino. Oh,
2: no, San Fernando. Yeah. What fuck was it? Sa-
3: no, San uh, it's San. Uh, it's. I think it's Tarzana.
2: Oh, okay. Why did I get okay? That's not. That's that's close enough to everything.
3: Uh, it's. Um,
2: I had this notion that it was San Bernardino.
3: Her address is something like the ten thousand block of something. Um, I wonder if I can find. You, could, it. Oh, well, you can easily look it up. Her house no longer exists, unfortunately, because it was designed by Richard Neutra. It's a great architect. Oh
2: yeah, I, I was reading about that in the biography and how it's, how it's a, it was supposedly a. Really it's it. his
3: oh, Shit. But you can find out where it is, and I'm I'm thinking that it is in what is, you know, officially Tarzana, but I'm not sure.
2: Right. If it is in Tarzana, I think that would make it put it very close to the the, the house in Knox Landing which is oh, like really? relevant to uh, my, my friend Jack, who's a big Knott's Landing fan, which is, exists. With the cul-de-sac in Maltz, Knott's Landing, which may have just been, I don't know, an exterior shot? I have no idea, because I haven't seen Knott's Landing. But that exists. It's something that may be in Chatsworth, but I may also be in Tarzana, so I have to check on that. But I did find her address, which I need to, I haven't investigated it yet, but her address, that she, the first apartment she lived in with Frank, in Hollywood, is on Gower, seemingly 10 minute walk from where I live now so I need to go and yeah, track yeah, it definitely
3: should, if you do that uh, send me a picture
2: oh yeah I will I mean it's possible that the um, it's possible that this, the building is still standing it's Absolutely. not because like a lot of old buildings there are still standing
0: no.
3: is that in, what, what was the name of that horrible movie that they did about her Ayn Rand A Sense of Life
2: oh the documentary the yeah. documentary the, the ARI documentary right
3: which she invented the world.
2: Right, right. Right. Yeah, right. That's gruesome. Is that in what, what's in there? There's something in there that there's a.
3: Well, well I, I would think if they'd done any research. Well. Besides just going through pictures in their phone. That's a big
2: if. They would have, you know. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember any such vivid imagery. I don't. But again, I haven't seen that for 20 years. I haven't seen that since I was in high school, I think.
3: I wonder if the, I suppose not, but the that home for um, extras that she lived in. Oh, yeah. Is that on Hollywood? Or is a I don't remember it? the
2: address, but I am so enamored of the concept of that home for extras. Can you imagine what that, that sounds like it's the women in reality. Like, that That must have been.
3: There's a kind of a, the first stars born there, too. Stars. This, uh, a Star is Born, the first of the Star is born right. movies. Have you seen that?
2: <laughs> I don't th- I haven't seen I ha- I think I have. I've seen the middle one. I've seen the one in the fifties. That's terrible. The Judy Garland. Movie. Yeah, I think it's in that one. Awful, uh-huh. that. So the first one is one, of the thirties?
3: Yeah, and it's uh, it's it's in color and uh, it's the definition of charm.
2: I have to okay, I have to it's a
3: it's a, it's a great movie.
2: Who's it who's the star of the thirties? Well movie. the
3: guy is Frederick March. And the, the gal is, um, um, could it be Ayn Rand's friend, what's her name? Uh, Gaynor. I think it's, it's Lo- Gainer. Lois Gaynor? No. I'm just guessing. I, I think it's Janet. Janet Gaynor. Did she end up auditioning for... And Adolf Manger plays a studio director, the studio head, and he's magnificent.
2: Exactly Who directed it? Not that it necessarily matters. I don't, know.
3: I don't know, but I'm finding out. Uh, Asar is Born.
0: That, I mean, so it's a great American
3: best picture. Well,
2: it's it's going to go straight atop the list.
3: It should. It's 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 really something. Uh, all this trash about the later films. Uh, I didn't
2: watch the I didn't watch the recent one.
3: I haven't seen the latest one. I guess that's number four, right?
2: The one with the Bradley Cooper. I heard it's horrible. I just didn't
3: watch it at all. Well, n- number three was uh, Streisand and Chris Christophers. Was that okay? No. no kidding? Not. Jeez. I don't know. Um, 1954,
0: 1937
3: So, when I one. Um Rotten Tomatoes, 100%. That figure is William Wellman. He was somebody. Uh, Yeah, it's Janet Gaynor. Music by Max Steiner. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. It's a a high-class production. It costs a lot because it's color. And it gives you an early view of an Academy Awards um, event.
2: Oh, it's depicted in the movie? Yes,
3: in which something strange happens. Ooh. Okay. Very, very strange. And is this when
2: the Academy Awards were held at the Biltmore or the Yeah, uh, must, like that. that
3: must be what they have in mind, because they're having dinner. And
2: yeah, I, I'm trying to remember when it was shifted from the Biltmore because of the that's still there. Yeah, right. It still goes. I don't know if the actual auditorium that they use. Well, the ballroom. The ballroom,
3: yeah. Matt and I have been in there.
2: Okay, so it's still there, then. Yeah. It's the same ballroom that's there. We're just
3: wandering there. through, and we found that the door was unlocked. So it's...
2: yeah, that, yeah. So it, and it, and it, did it strike a resemblance to what you uh, see? I, I don't think you see
3: enough of the walls in the movie to be memorable. You see the people, right? The stairway in the Biltmore is used in lots
0: of things.
2: Well, those stair, yeah. I mean, the stairways in, in those. A downtown historic building. Oh,
3: are
2: insane. I mean, I had, you know, the one in just the one in the lobby of the LA theater that we amply made use of it.
3: Why our, don't our you summer. go out to the Mission then, for God's sake? You know, you're always going out to Palm Springs.
2: Yeah, and it's right on the way. Yeah. No, I just have to. And
3: you better go before they start putting up the Christmas lights because then it costs you a lot more.
2: Oh, okay. That's a that that's a thing. They have a huge
0: uh,
3: frightening display of lights and decorations. Okay. I mean, it used to be, have some charm and wit, but now it's just,
0: <laughs>
3: what?
2: <laughs> well, that's what? Not, I'm highly... I'm, that sounds interesting, too. <laughs> right. I wouldn't, it okay, sounds it, scary. And it's, ver-
3: it's very interesting, My Matt thinks it's um, one of the funniest things. That might be a big <laughs> hit,
2: actually, among among people now. But it,
3: but it costs you a lot more.
2: Oh, I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure it goes skyrocketing. Who no, would no, have thunk that there is a great hotel, historic hotel in Riverside? It's one of the most eccentric
3: things in the world.
2: It's I gotta, literally. I mean, yeah. it's built
3: by an eccentric, uh, to, to, out of eccentric materials. Yeah. And eccentricity persisted in.
2: I need to record one of these that's there when I go there with somebody. And I don't know who who'd, who, who, I could find. I, I could talk to myself while I'm there. But it sounds like something that should be, should be made use of.
3: Well, maybe maybe you and I should yeah just, turn up there together. Or something. Yeah,
2: that's the thing to do. I think all of our friends and that's I've, I just recently found out about it too. Before you told me about it, just right before you first told me about it.
3: Weekdays are better because you don't run into weddings.
2: Oh, okay. Oh, it's a, oh it's a wedding. Okay. It's a wedding, right? Yeah, and I'm sure it's cheaper on weekdays
3: too. It is cheaper, markedly cheaper. Uh, you could take a tour for I think ten bucks which, if there isn't a wedding, uh, goes into, among other things, the chapel, Mm -hmm. which has uh, a magnificent uh, backing, to make Mm -hmm. it simple, you know, uh, what the stuff behind the altar, was a magnificent work of art from the Mexican Renaissance period.
2: When was the Mexican Renaissance? It lasted a long
3: time. It didn't really happen, but this
2: 17th, 18th century. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Uh, Yeah, I mean
3: the derivative European art flourished flourished in Mexico City, and and the wealthier uh, the silver towns, and that was uh, somebody had a a silver Mexican silver baron had a chapel. It must have been really such A chapel. A chap yeah. It had a huge, enormous thing there. And silver and statues and so forth. And it got sold to the guy the hotel because he right. collected things.
0: Wonderful. It
3: was, I, it was boxed up at a railroad station someplace.
2: Derivative European art, much maligned in the Fountainhead, has its place in the world. Well, know, not...
3: Most Mexican art from the period, most colonial art. I mean, if you look at American colonial art, it's terrible. And that's the case of Mexican art from those periods, too. But this is uh, handicrafts. You know, mm-hmm. This is, this is right. not it's sculptural form. Right.
2: Well, I look forward to this journey. But they
3: really know how to do that.
2: I look forward to this journey, the mission in...
3: And you make, uh, you make reservations for the tour. They're not hard to right. make, but when you call up the nice ladies, uh, you, know, you can say, um, what's my best chance, Is say they've got four tours a day mm. or something, what's my best chance of getting to see the chapel?
2: you oh, so, so is, to, oh, right, because... To, they, they take to, you through various... You need to dodge the wedding, so. they dodge the wedding. Yeah, if there isn't
3: a wedding there, if they're not preparing for a wedding, so, uh, you know, generally a weekday morning is the time to do that.
2: Right. Okay. Well, that's good. That's a good note. That's a good note.
3: One of my friends... Uh, I got introduced to that because one of my friends had her wedding there 20 years ago. And, boy, she... Even then, she must have spent a fortune.
2: But I wonder how it compares to... It's probably still expensive. I'm just wondering. It seems like they're...
3: Rooms are not that expensive. There's four... Realistically, they are about four... Ascending categories of it, and you could stay there for uh, uh, the cheapest one is perfectly okay, and you could. It's not what I get, right? But uh, the, if you wanted to go to the cheapest one, it's perfectly okay, and I think it's one hundred fifty dollars.
2: And is it the type of place where you spend the whole time at the hotel, or do you wander? Is there anywhere to wander off to and?
3: Uh, it's right downtown, so uh, there's a there's some good restaurants. Are quite good restaurants within 10 minute walk 10 minute okay and, uh, or closer
2: I've only ever driven through Riverside and stopped there for like in and out well that's a way
3: to see it I mean that little downtown area is very walkable and fun okay cool and there's, there are other things to see in Riverside too uh, you might drive a little ways but uh, you get parking right next to $15 a day I think it is there's parking right in the back of the hotel it's very easy um, and there's nothing in the hotel that you need to dress for except the most expensive restaurant where you are not supposed to wear jeans or shorts. So you have and trousers. you have yeah. to you have to have a shirt that buttons.
2: A shirt, okay.
3: But you don't. You don't as have long to as, have as a you tie. don't have to have a fucking tie. No, you don't yeah. have to have a tie. But that's the most expensive restaurant too. I'm not sure if that that was worth it. Uh, but it's okay, and the other restaurants are okay too. Okay. In the hotel and around it. Uh, but for instance, the uh, last couple times I was there. I went to see the um, the reptile factory, which is a shop uh, about five-minute drive from the hotel, and they sell reptiles. So they sell snakes. And, oh, real live uh, ones? Yeah, real live ones. All that. Did you buy one? No, no. Oh, okay. I mean, Mehmet hates that stuff for one thing. But what would I do with it? Right. I mean, these things are. Um, The the second time, like about a month ago, I was there, and the nice people were explaining. I asked, well, how many mice does the the, the, that saw a big snake? And I said, how many mice is he? Oh, no, you know, he prefers, uh, no, it's not mice. It's like, uh, oh, baby pigs probably their favorites. Baby pigs? Yeah. So you have to find, where do you go to the, the baby pig I said, store? You don't mean live, do you? No, they can be dead, but uh, you should warm them up.
2: <laughs> Shit.
3: And, and uh, then they'll they'll eat this, they'll swallow it, and they'll just be out of it for a week or two. But
2: they're just like siesta for? Right,
3: just see, just there's their eyes are open, but they're not there. Wow. And you can see the, the, the prey, you know, Right, that you can Just see the like shape the of it inside. inside. Right, yeah.
2: that's great.
3: Lots of fun.
2: So they're, they're into the they're into suckling pig. Basically, you need to have a good suckling pig vendor their, nearby. What are their favorites? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. We all have our thing.
3: But they, but they, um, they can be unpredictable. Oh, which that's because they can attack.
2: Right, right. It's always one. You know, unpredictable. <laughs> that's what you want in your life is a little reptilian unpredictability. Right. Great.
3: Oh, have they ever bit you? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad that such places. Do you want dinner? a box? No, I don't want a box. Um, I'd like uh, some coffee to go.
0: Okay.
3: And and a check. Okay.
0: Should I take these away?
3: Or... Uh, yes. 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 And
2: I'll take a fresher up coffee if you yes, don't sure. mind. Do so you want nice. a, a fresh cup? Or yeah, that would be great, because okay. it's like I sip, 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 and it gets cold.
3: Time is are Okay. It I that. still have half of
2: Yeah. Are you have a, do you have a uh, school, school something? or? No,
3: I've got to go home and Zoom.
2: Oh, great. Business. So fucking... I'm, I'm Zoom so fucking... But, much. Totally.
3: uh I did... Rec- you know, last year, I taught two classes and recorded all of them. Um, 56 lectures recorded on Zoom. And... Once I got the hang of it, I was radically different from the way I would teach. Right, it. but I enjoyed it. I mean, I, enjoy, I actually enjoyed the product. Oh, I good. I didn't enjoy the, the process because you have to prepare more. Because right. you can't edit it. You can you cannot edit it. Right. You can cut off the first five minutes or last five minutes or something. but You can't go you inside. You can't.
2: You can't. Uh, yeah. You can't uh, snip it.
3: So you have to be slower and more Spice. careful about what you say, and you don't know. You're not looking at the audience. You don't know. Oh, they they misunderstood. You that. can't
2: feed. Yeah, you can't get their physical reactions. That's the most annoying part, actually. It
3: is because you have to make try to make sure that you they're not going to misinterpret you. And how dull is that?
2: Yeah. Yeah, you're constantly. You have to constantly wonder if that that landed or this landed. So so
3: you get you get slower. You get slower. Yeah. And you, you can't get as much in. So, but after you get used to that, um, well, you know, you can do it any hour of the day or night, you know, oh, okay, I'm ready, I'm going to do it right now. You can do that.
2: So, but you're not, but you're not doing these live. Oh, I was not doing it live. Oh, okay, okay, so you're just Because I've got
3: students in China and India and so forth, so, um, and besides, if if it's remote, why should I want them to... Be on time. I mean, and isn't it better they can look at it again? Right. You know, before the final exam, I took it down. Well, took it off. Right. But outside of that, just you know, watch it whenever. You...
2: I I mean, and you, I have zero capacity to pay attention when I'm a passive viewer on Zoom hmm. for more than five so, minutes. So you can stop. Yeah, you can stop. You have to, or you can even listen to it. It's honestly, I would rather listen to the lecture walking in my earphones. Assuming it doesn't require visual uh, engagement. You know,
3: if you, if you, uh, I listen to these. If I have a YouTube talk that I want to listen to, a small minority of available YouTube talks, but there are some that I, that I like. Yeah. Just turn it on and wander around the house, make coffee. You know, right. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever.
2: No. I mean, that's what. All, well, that's what this whole podcasting boom has been about. People just having a little thing in their ear. Sure. And. Having, a, having someone talking to them all through the day when they're engaged in lonesome tasks, especially now.
3: All, all through the day is beyond me. In fact, when I look at the thing and I see it goes for an hour and a half, eh, yeah, maybe not.
2: Right. Well, I mean, our, some of these go for three four hours. But I can stop. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, you can always stop and break it up. Different people have... I mean, there has been a... Uh, marked marked change in the appetite for this sort of thing over the course of this pandemic the the podcast thing boomed, I mean all kinds of very idiosyncratic, very specific types of ones boomed, big ones obviously were already booming and they boomed even more And people had all this time uh, where, and also the stuff on TV is garbage Anything new, right. right? So there's no, there's no reason to watch any talk show on TV when you've got something better oh, yeah, on absolutely. audio. It just why even bother? Why sit down and watch it when you can just walk around and listen to right. Something better. So there, there's the, the the app, and also loneliness has created a market that you know doesn't apply to you, but for many people, these are like it's like their only
3: friends. Well, well some of these, yeah, no, and that's too bad. But it's it's uh, yes, uh, it is uh, too bad. You know, uh, I'm a. F- one of the things I follow, I follow Jehovah's Witnesses because it's been a, you know, fringe religious groups are one of my. It's one things of your like, subjects, yeah, yeah. About. And um, there's a million anti-Jehovah's Witness things right. on YouTube, and they have they decided to have their, an immense and intimidating net presence themselves, which I don't watch, but which these others uh,
2: they analyze and shit. Yeah, they right?
3: analyze it. So I've seen enormous chunks of that, but I'm not going to sit down and watch an hour long. You know, lecture on their right. theology. Right. Uh, anyway, uh, the uh, people who do these things are very modest, uh, yeah. modestly educated usually, and modestly, when they start off, they sort of have modest abilities. But some of them really develop personality, and they become quite quite charming. And
2: interesting. Yeah. No, I've noticed that too. I mean, I follow, you wouldn't know the, them, but the, the podcasts that I've gravitated to, over the last couple of years, are the ones that are the most that they're they were the the most acquired tastes, basically, in, in, in the sense that first of all they improve because they you know, everyone gets better, but it starts out as almost it starts out like very similar to what we're doing now except obviously with a plan and they have they know what they're going to talk about and whatever sometimes <laughs> sometimes sometimes they don't even do that but they have but but the the style is 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 like you're eavesdropping on a conversation between two friends in a living room or wherever that's the style of the that's the whole kind of genre and some of them really have you know I'm my ears are well tuned to I think to craft a little bit so when I I notice how the I I tend to notice how some of them improve at at maintaining the kind of dramatic through line of their conversations even when they're just bullshitting about whatever right. You know, and they really do. They have learned a lot, and they can only learn by, by doing it constantly,
3: and, yeah, and not and, being afraid of sounding of course like the, an idiot. The money helps.
2: Yeah, and they get, and a lot of some of them have really, turned and out to make a living doing. You can it.
3: tell, you know, when some of them realize, hey, I could just do this.
2: Yeah, I can just sit I, here and bullshit.
3: That's all that I, all I have to do.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, a lot of them. I mean, I, I don't know the number, but several have, because you don't actually need that large of an audience if they're paying. A lot of them are subscribed, you know, based on subscribers right. for five bucks a month or whatever. You don't need that many people no. to make a living. No,
3: sure don't. I Thank you. I've got to say that the prison ones are not very good. There's lots of them too.
2: There's lots of prison talk. Lots of, lots is of it, prison talk. Is it of the scared straight variety or is no, it? No, it's
3: all about what happens in
2: prison. About what happens?
3: And what happened to me and some. Right, right, right. And um,
2: are they not erotic enough for?
3: They're not erotic at all. Uh. uh but they're not informative at all either. They, they're gas bags.
2: They're gas bags. I well, are, is it is it gas bags in the genre of uh, teetotalers? You know how they become no, so. No,
3: uh, there's a scattering of that, but mainly it's. I'm a tough guy. I went through this. Or uh, there are. There's a handful of firms who make money on advising you if you're going to go to prison. Right. And they charge like fifty thousand dollars or something and they're run by people who have uh, been in prison, it's almost always federal prison, because um, that's nationwide, so you have more and Well, eye. they
2: advise you, you're going to prison, you yeah, hire them I, to I give I you the... I think I'm
3: going to go to prison, so right. I hire them, I give advice, but in order to get people involved in that, they also have uh, a web presence, and uh, a couple of them have a significant YouTube presence. You they start to discuss the subject. If you right. want more information, they build,
2: little, they build their own little yeah cache. And
3: they are just as, they're inform, I guess they're informative, but it's so sort of slow. And it used to be uh, one of them in particular, sort of particular prominent in this niche. <laughs> right, <laughs> the biggest, this is biggest niche. frog in that puddle. They started off being interesting, and it was all online and print. Yeah. And they had other people's experiences and so forth, and so a variety of people, and blogging and so forth just happened, and happened. So, you know, you can look down the page and say, oh, this looks interesting, this doesn't look interesting. Then they converted almost all of their presence into YouTubes, and that just killed it for me. That's yeah. just like, I'm going to listen to this guy talk for half an hour when I could just glance at, at right. this and see if I'm interested.
2: Yeah, I mean, and, and, and the worst is when you have to actually see them. I think most of these, I think most of, a lot of what these podcasts do as well is record themselves visually, like Joe Rogan does this successfully, so everyone does it now. But it's most of, for most of them, it's just a horrible idea because nobody wants to sit there nobody and watch Nobody wants to see them. No, nobody want, wants to see their faces. With the
3: JWs and the Mormons and the Scientologists, they've got something to bounce off at. So they'll show this ridiculous thing the cult group came up with. Right. It's like, oh God, what clowns they say? Well, oh, what clowns they are? Let's right. see another let's clown. See, yeah, let's see Yeah. Saying, yeah, so yeah. Next
2: like, thing you know, yeah. you're you're scrubbing toilets in uh, in Riverside right. out there, whatever it's called. Exactly. Yeah. Well, well, one thing those cults have is they have these hypnotic, uh, crazy-eyed, uh, you know, uh, uh, spokesman. Yes. Which, if you do look at, it's like it's like if you look at Major Applewhite. Yes. I think that's his name, right? The the Heaven's Gate guy, right? And he just he looks he looks like this, <laughs> and but you can't look away when you see and, that uh, fucking face in his uh, eyes like like that. You just can't look away. It's, it's like
3: those quick dates that show, um, oh, I don't know, it's, you know, ads for some kind of retire- some kind of retirement scam or something, and they'll show this picture of a hideous, hideous-looking old person. Right, Just horrible, horrible-looking old person. It's so horrible, you know. You're tempted to click on it. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, you can't. Yeah, it works. It works. I feel like probably the one of the the most flourishing industries in America right now are probably these like cults, because what else do people have right now?
3: Well, I I disagree with you. Uh, every cult has trees don't grow through the sky, to the sky and cults are more like dandelions. They don't grow they cannot grow very high. They, there's a point at which they have gotten to such and such a percentage in the population as never 1%. And then they got to stop.
2: Then they stop. Well, okay, so but I'm thinking more in the lines of not uh, vertical growth but just a million little cults spr- sprouting everywhere And and by the way I'm far more um, I'm far more liberal about and I'm far more forgiving of the concept of a cult I don't like this idea that we call everything a cult Oh no, that's just a group of people who share interests sure. you know yeah. and are totally into it and are possibly a little crazy who cares that's everyone I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not so keen as I used to be I used to be very you know is this a cult that's bad I'm, that now I'm like fuck it it's all, yeah, we're all you don't cults. Have to yeah you don't have to join let them do their fucking thing let them be sex slaves who cares? That's, you
3: know. That's what Patterson said.
2: You know. She said, "Let them, let them eat, let them be sexless." Well, she's
3: actually <laughs> talking about that cult that was led by. Um, I'm always forgetting that guy's name. I've never been able to remember. He's a prominent figure. Franklin
2: Delano Roosevelt. <laughs>
3: exactly. You know, he was uh, a. <laughs> uh, it was a 19th century figure who uh, formed a commune based on free love and was frankly free love, I mean, in the state of New York.
2: It wasn't Oneida. It wasn't. Uh, which
0: still exists. No, I know. Makes our force. No, it wasn't.
3: It, he was religious only in the sense of uh, the exactly. most advanced, yeah. He was sort of agnostic. Well, right,
2: whatever, yeah. Uh, well, she was sort of, I mean, she was deist, right? Was, she, yeah, she which was which deist. Which is a strange thing to kind of specific thing.
3: But she said of all, she was focusing on him, but, uh, you know, just ways of experimenting with things. And, you know, she did, she did say that, oh most of them are communists and she said they show that communism will only work in a capitalist environment
2: right as a sex cult within a capitalist or, environment you know, where you can sell have merchandise something to sell, and, yeah, yeah, you someone, sell your merch
3: a man is a good example of that most of them fail at, at that though because they don't have the scope right or they've got some nutty idea that they that forbids them from reaching a wider, wider audience.
2: right right and they, and they don't have the uh, they don't have the, uh, the, the magical uh acumen of, say, Oneida, I guess, had, or the Mormons, which, my understanding of Mormonism is it went from hardcore, you know, punitive cult, punitive if you leave, to basic American business religion.
3: Uh, it's not because of its mythology, but and its uh, overwhelming emphasis on family. Uh, and you can't imagine, I can't imagine Mormonism without that, so I think it will always be distinct. But in terms of its relationship with the wider culture, they found a very good solution. That they would do all these civic things. And partly as a way of running things themselves, you know, having narrow people run for office. But when they were crushed by the federal government, they learned that.
2: Right. Well, that they learned to play ball.
3: They learned to play ball. And they learned to gladly touch everything.
2: But but the but the manner in which they learned to play ball while retaining their individuality as a as a as a culture is seems one of a kind to me because I'm not aware of any. I'm sure there are smaller examples, but I'm not aware of a big such a huge you know organization that managed
3: to. No, I'm not either. Yeah, um,
2: which is that's probably the genius of Mormonism that should be studied and well, it, it, celebrated. It, well,
3: it is. Um, uh, more thought needs to be given to that there's, there's a couple there's lots of books about Mormonism most of them are just attacks on Mormonism but there's a couple that are good and they don't really they see the the trees of that but they don't see the forest um, I should bring that up uh, I should bring that up to Joanne and see if she knows of any more uh,
2: good ones, good books. Uh,
3: yeah, I would actually study that issue.
2: And did without a without a, a you know gotcha mentality. I'm sure
3: she wouldn't be reading something of gotcha. She's in
2: practicing Mormon. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. 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 I'm going to speak to a Mormon for this it's part of this series next, a young one that I know who he's not practicing, but he's he's still respectful of his origins.
3: Oh, so the Skousen family is an old, uh, very well placed Mormon family.
2: Oh, really? Okay. So it's a, yeah.
3: They, if they're, yeah, they. That's one of those. Um, if you knew anything about Mormonism, you'd I'd be able to recognize yet. the names.
2: Well, I'm a, I'm Mormon. I'm Mormon illiterate. Clearly. But the but yeah, I know I mean I I'm fascinated with Mormons everyone is. So, you yeah. can't get over them. You can't get over that the, all the hate is just another way of saying that you're is your jealous.
3: Well, there is a lot of that yeah.
2: Or envious yeah. yeah. But with Pat uh, to go back to Pat because I can't stop thinking about her because I wonder you have single-handedly resuscitated her her reputation.
3: Actually, yeah. I'm, I made Isabel Patterson.
2: You, well, you, so you created this character, I did. which we wouldn't otherwise exist. Yeah. I mean, you might as well as the same thing because when she died, it seemed like for a few years people talked about God of the Machine and then it just was forgotten. And for those who don't know, God of the Machine, or Patterson in general, is the founder of modern libertarianism. And as a lucid uh, shoots from the hip type of writer who wrote who did a column that she wrote in the last forty eight hours of its death no last four, two hours of its sometimes, deadline typically yeah. a column that covered that was basically like proto Twitter the way I look at it because she would just go from she could go from she could just go one liner to sure. one liner right yeah. some of them right yeah. and cover fifty different books recent and ancient within the course of one column she could
3: sometimes there that's a whole thing about.
2: right. I mean, but sometimes it's a whole essay. But the way that she would just be able to casually uh, practice erudition, because it's not just like, she's not, she never forced it on anything. She would just right. make a, a turn of phrase that would compare something to a literary reference from the from, from an ancient text, yeah. you know, or whatever text, assuming you would know what, what the meaning is, but never forced it. I think,
3: the, de- I think it. the deal is, uh, it's like Dr. Johnson talking. Uh, right, right, what right. But holds right. it together as a personality. Right. If you've got enough personality to do that. If right. you don't, you can't.
2: Now, my thing is that she had all this personality. She had, She, I think God of the Machine is a, whatever you think of its arguments, it's, an, it's, it's like a Camille Paglia-esque type of sweeping literary performance, nonfiction. Oh, sure. Yeah. That shows a mind at like the most muscular level. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, other than with someone like Paglia. Someone, in, that, in that kind of a synthetic, synthetics, What's is synthesis sort of style of bringing everything together for your argument that you possibly have at your disposal at any paragraph. Um, you know, I look at it every now and then. I'm just blown away, and it, and I don't know what the. I'm not. I'm not assessing its arguments. You know. Any, yeah. Who cares ultimately about the arguments? Um, and I and I find it sad that this. That but for the but for the biographical hands of Stephen Cox she would just disappear
3: she's not the only one you know if you how many let's say political commentators from the year 1950 do you know anything about none okay
2: well I mean but the one I I mean anything I've seen of Walter Lippmann, for example has been just like
3: well he's yeah he's a dull writer and he but he was
2: also a an establishment spokesman right he's an establishment
3: spokesman and he knew everybody and uh, there's the occasional book about Walter Lippman somebody's dissertation they have published yeah that's so that's and usually they're sort of uh, Walter Lippman and such. And such right? right but I don't think he's
2: he's nearly as valuable as Patterson because I think oh, she's an artist and no, I don't yeah, think Walter so Lippmann. was is.
3: Not, not an artist and he was a a master of uh, bullshit he's a weasel right uh, you know intellectually but the, the, you know there, there are lots of people back then who were interesting and everybody knew about it.
2: but they just, they, they it they from just uh, they still
3: don't exist anymore you, you, I, I don't know if, if National Review has some of its first issues online I think they do uh, Is it, I think they're extremely well edited and there's lots of talent in the 1955 through 1960. National reviews. It's interesting to look at them and just see how many of those names you recognize. Uh, if you're not a specialist in the field, you don't recognize them. You don't him. recognize them. And
2: I've heard similar things about commentary in the 60s. Absolutely. And
3: Absolutely. Well, somebody just uh, just saw an article in the New Criterion, which I subscribe to, uh, about uh, what happened to Lewis Auchincloss's
2: a name I do know, but I don't really know yeah, what, let's see, words what he was. Well,
3: he right. was a he was a bad writer, but he was a famous writer. He was sort of a social conservative who wrote novels and commentary and so forth.
2: Uh, did he write novels? Like from a was he a lawyer? That he, he wrote was a Okay, that's that's. Uh,
3: yeah, there's, there's law in some of them, but there's also
0: uh,
3: if he wasn't an Episcopalian, he should have been because he's. Much of that in there, and that's why I, I decided I was going to read. And he's uh, literally unreadable. But but the point is, who remembers him or Lewis undermeyer, who was a big big deal, you know. Uh, right. nobody does.
2: Right, but you see, from my from my uh, uh, dictatorial perspective. I believe that some deserve to be remembered and some
3: don't. Yes, they do. And
2: And she's one who does. She
3: she does, and it's delightful to find people. A good example is Ruth Saka, Saka, who, despite the name, was a a very (laughs) great writer of short stories. Ruth Succo. Ruth Succo. S-U-C-K-O-W.
2: Oh, Sucko with a W. Okay. She
3: was a, she was a realist and she was the queen of the realists I mean, in terms what, of kill.
2: When was the time period? Oh, uh,
3: late twenties, early thirties. Uh, her novels are not very many and uh, I think they're they're good, but she wasn't she's really about about short stories.
2: Short stories.
3: And she uh, she was said never to have received a rejection letter. And when you read her stuff, you can see her there's an eeriness about her stories too. The story, realistic stories of of real life, uh, a sadness and a a hauntedness, and you can't say how did she put it there. It's and just not there. Things, it's just there, and she sure. means be me there. Right. Absolutely. But uh,
2: but you never doubt the you never doubt the veracity of it.
3: Oh no, it's absolutely positively.
2: That that's crazy too. Yeah, I mean that's and that's art that you yeah. the way you describe yeah. her. Yeah. But somehow she just vanished from. She just realm. vanished
3: completely. Nobody's ever asked her. What time is it?
2: It's one fifty-nine.
3: Uh, I've got it. Now. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, very unfortunately. Well,
2: but this was a pleasure.
3: It certainly was. I'm glad that you could take time because you're down here to publicize.
2: I mean, I that my work is done in terms of publicizing in San Diego. They want me to go to Arizona now. And they don't. They don't. It doesn't occur to them to pay me. They think that just uh, they have three chapters in sent in Arizona. And this morning he emailed me saying, well, can, will you, "We can fly you down to Arizona."
3: Well, you did a g- great job. You're so personable.
2: Yeah, great. But like, uh, you know, like, what am I? <laughs> I need to.
3: Yeah, you looked good, and you were good.
2: Uh. As long as I'm speaking. To eighty-year-olds, um, I'll consider it. No, yeah. I don't want to talk to. I you know I can't imagine how you do it, and I can't imagine how you've lasted.
3: Oh, you just in you, college. You, and, you, in you just start. Year. You just start off. You know, like, I'm absolutely going to do this, and they're absolutely going to take it. Yeah, okay, good. Right
2: and you haven't? Have you not fielded any bullshit, any chicken shit? Uh, you know, protests from stupid kids. Students? Uh,
3: very, very rare.
2: I mean, you're, you're an urbane, and you're not, I don't think you're, 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 you're not a deliberately provocative No, of
3: course not. Why, why would you do that? Uh, in a college, you know, in a the lecture? Are you talking about Well, you're, or yeah, not?
2: But you yeah, but you have to understand what if you had a drinking problem and you showed up to class and you just felt like, fuck it, I'm going to let them have it this time. Students
3: often like that. That's true. I had unfortunately, it. Unfortunately, because it gives them something to notice. Right. No, I, I've had um, almost nothing. Um, but then, students are much more passive now. They're passive, they're, you know... They're
2: just dead-eyed sitting there... And if you give
3: them something, they like you.
2: That's good. That's good to hear, because I, I, it seems seems to me like it would be the most horrifying oh, it, thing no, ever. No, it's not
3: a problem at all. It's... Uh, I'm, no, um, I think at any school you'd have to make it a problem. You'd have to cause sure. the problem.
2: I'm sure also the na- the, pro- the aus- more austere subject matter oh, absolutely. If trying, weeds out.
3: Right, absolutely. If you're talking about contemporary politics, you know, that would be more of a stop. That would be
2: impossible, I would, I would imagine. Uh, I think so. Yeah. So you have to you have to have a screening process in the form of just the the, the, the name of the course. Although
3: people like Joanne Scousen could do it perfectly well,
2: I could see her. Be, I could see she, her having her that personality, just right. She has such a maternal uh, demeanor too that it would be very
3: sort of. But she's also uh, I, don't I mean i saw her maternal
2: eighteen years ago. This is the last time I see. Oh, her live, uh, but. She,
3: um she's very businesslike. But there's just something about her.
2: But that that can be maternal too. I mean, I've noticed with there's certain there's a certain quality that some women have. Uh, who are very business like, serious, but you can just trust that they've got it all taken care yes, of. There's that, some actresses who do the good job of playing characters like this, such as Connie Britton. But like I feel there's a there's a certain no no nonsense, but you can trust. Yeah, them. she's sort
3: of like Eva Marie Saint. Right. Uh, and. Uh, who, when interviewed at the age of 75 or something, was mistaken by her audience for being uh, 30 years younger. Oh, that's great. Because when she said her, she, she stated it, she said, I've been married for 50 years, and a gasp went through the audience. <gasps>
2: <laughs> she was born married. She was born married 20 years.
0: <laughs> she deserved
3: something
2: Yeah, you know, she deserved it. She earned that.
3: And, and she obviously wasn't, but this is the same for Joanne. Uh, not talking out of um, badly repressed anger or a um, or desire to flatter people or whatever. I mean, without, with that, um,
2: well, you've just disqualified 99%. Right, of, but you're, yeah. if you're
3: talking about your subject rather than about yourself, I mean, you can bring in yourself as an example. Sure. sure. But if you're talking about your subject rather than I've always hated my father. That sort of a thing, and,
2: which is ninety nine percent. Right. I mean, of, of contemporary right, that's their, mouthpieces. Their so.
3: motive for being. So. Right.
2: Everything is, and we and, and and by the way, apparently somehow not only do they hate their father, somehow they've cast all of us as their right. surrogate fathers to hate to, right. to, to punish for it. That's the move that I don't. You know, I I can understand hating your father. I'm sure there are plenty of uh, hate worthy fathers out there, but I don't know why I have to. <laughs> take take the whip. <laughs> well,
3: yeah, right. And it's a waste of people's time and they resent it.
2: Yeah, and it just creates a, a you know, thunderstorms of residual well, look resentment. at William
3: F. Buckley. I mean, he's a, a completely different from even Marie Saint or Joanne, but uh, he was able to say things that just because people thought Oh sort of, yeah, he's sort of special. And that's right. okay, you know, he's he is talking, he's not talking about himself. He never talked about himself. No. He was always talking about some idea and if they didn't like the idea, they still somehow liked him.
2: Right, and then if they didn't like him then they, they then he whipped out his harpsichord yes, and started playing right. the pot, dangling that you know, <laughs> his right. fingers. Yeah. But some but something that a lot of people are saying now, which I don't buy, but I'm curious what your opinion is, having seen this documentary, yeah. Best of Enemies where they, which is about his, or the the debates between him and core oh, theologists, yeah. found footage of all of that, uh, and it's causing, of course, a lot of people who are, I think, a little bit simple-minded about the matter, to speculate that he was a closet homo. No, I, I didn't think so either. I'm just curious yeah. what you
3: thought. No, no, any more than Bubba was a closet heterosexual.
2: <laughs> right, as he constantly tried to intimate. Right. He always tried to intimate. Yeah, that he he certainly, was, he certainly did. But he was a. Uh, Women were just falling over him. And, yeah, was a really like,
3: sad case, but the, those those encounters were embarrassing to everybody. Should, I, I still haven't it seen. Should it. have been there embarrassing to me. Right. I mean, I just hate to see things like that.
2: But there's a. It's funny because I I, for most people that I've again I haven't seen I haven't seen I've seen the famous one, but I haven't seen the documentary where they're all strung together, and. A lot of people are just dazzled by the fact that this was ever part of public life and are so oh, grateful for that. But I mean, you have a totally different oh, perspective because you saw it live. Yeah, it was the
3: low point for both of them.
2: Right. <laughs> right. Well, the low point, because then fucking Buckley would sue him uh, and, and as his case was built upon the fact that he's a pervert, that Vidal's a pervert, and that's excruciating to read. I've read that Esquire essay where Buckley basically put him on notice and where his case is all the various ways in which he's immoral because of the actions described in Myra Breckenridge, and that's just like, this is the lowest Puritan
3: bullshit. Yeah, that's right, That's just... Puritan bullshit. just complete, no, yeah. and, and just... Just nonsense. <laughs> just <laughs> pure, pure nonsense. You know, they really... allowed themselves, their goats, to be gotten, you know? They should never have done that. They knew better than that.
2: They got they got into one of those uh, like uh, it was like a duel where you yeah, have right. to you have to show up the next morning right. even though you know this is not gonna end well <laughs> and everyone's gonna get shot no one's gonna die they're just gonna bleed embarrassingly with their with with their ass hanging out.
3: If you if you have a chance I think it must be in Wikipedia you can look up the the duel that Henry Clay had under similar circumstances. Oh I
2: I, I will.
3: When he was a, when he was a big guy in Congress. you get a kick out of it. I
2: will I will have to read. I'll have to re, to remind myself of that story. Is that the one that ended his death?
3: No, no, no Henry Clay, No, he
2: never no. died. Somebody died. what was it? it was, which, which one ended? And someone died.
3: Well, one of the the famous duel in California involving the Supreme Court justice. Uh,
2: it would be nice if. It, was, it would be nice if this tradition of dueling returned to American politicians so that maybe we could get rid of Captain Nussan
3: somehow he wouldn't he wouldn't show up away yeah. let me go to the restaurant yeah and go come back. I don't don't let anything happen to this no
2: story. no I'll keep a close eye on the coffee that's
3: worth that's worth I never saw the
1: moon Never saw your heart in someone try to steal, try to steal it away. Never saw your tears until they rolled down your.